so close to being done chewing this last piece of apple. Oh my god, I was so close. Oh my god. Oh, that's what you were laughing at. <laughs> uh, Rex is Rex is giving himself a good thorough cleaning right now. He's watching Adam eat apples and peanut butter out of the jar while Rex goes down on himself. Now he turns around. That's right. There you go. <clears throat> oh my goodness. What a day, what a week. Oh my god. Ladies that's, that's and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, March the 22nd, 2018. It's Technical Alpha. This is uh, episode number 52. And we've got another uh, another one-on-one, but this time, it's panic. We've swapped Jeff out. Jeff is currently still uh, on, a, in an, uh, on an IV drip of pina colada. Yeah, he chose the right week for that. <laughs> Apparently, this has been, he's, he, he definitely, I mean, even weather-wise, we get hit with another friggin' weird kind of wet, slushy nor'easter here, so he, uh, he chose well. He chose he well. chose wisely. Very wisely. Uh, can you tilt your camera down so that we don't need, because we don't really need to see the boxes on top of your shelves. There we go. Better. That's a little better. <clears throat> oh man it's hard to talk with all that dick in your throat panic you know hey man i don't know if i'd rather have dick or peanut butter though that's true what about both at the same time that could go interesting i don't know man hard to breathe but at least slightly more delicious no no chunky or not chunky though. uh definitely not I feel like I feel like that's a bad idea. Now, now you've gone too far. We need to draw the line at smooth. You can't go only, any further than that. Is that the only use for smooth peanut butter? Uh, no. I believe that we already ascertained that smooth peanut butter is superior in most applications. Uh, I, I think in a you previous cast, and didn't pull the right people. <laughs> How was your week? Was your week as as kind of hectic and crazy as as mine it wasn't really hectic so much as um you've seen x-men and the juggernaut where he's got the giant suit of armor to like just bash his head through things yes my week was kind of like that only i didn't have the big suit of armor to do it with i have to bash my head into things to get it done there's a lot of bureaucracy a lot of pain a lot of suffering well, given your vocation, bureaucracy seems to just kind of be that that comes with the <laughs> not even just with my job, just in general for normal things. Oh, I just I, need to get a plumber to come out for my uh, to check out something in my bathroom because there's like a persistent leak going on. It was like, I'm going to need you to file a plan and triplicate. Make sure you get the insurance forms and then uh, oh again God. file that two to three weeks in advance of the plumber coming. And then you need to provide the insurance for the plumber and have them fill out this form and then do this, this and this. And I'm like. Uh, okay. I feel, Maybe? I feel like if you have water going on in there where it's not supposed to, that it would, it would benefit the building owner to not make you postpone it for so long for the sake of paperwork yeah. and to in fact fast track it so that they don't incur more damage. They came uh, and looked the at it. Run. They're like, oh, you don't need to worry about it too much. I'm like. <laughs> Property this, managers. This, there was some uh, gesturing and I was just like. They tend to be interesting, uh, yes. for sure. 
Yeah, my my How week was was, week? was uh, without no, well, it was it was with little food basically. Uh, oh, the fridge thing. <laughs> the fridge thing. So that only just yesterday finally wrapped up. So I only just yesterday got a fridge, and uh, guys brought it, took the old fridge, and I when I got back from being out most of the day yesterday, I took some time to take all the stuff out and unpackage it and put the fridge together and read the manual so I didn't blow anything up and and uh it needs to run for uh I think it's a 24 hours before you want to put anything in it so yeah it needs to like actually settle in yeah and acclimate so uh we're we just now in about the last 45 minutes crested the 24 hour mark so uh, tomorrow or some point, I'll be able to actually buy food and sust various sustenance, put it in the fridge for future consumption, and no longer spend uh, $10 a day going to Tim Hortons, combining my breakfast and lunch into one meal so that I don't go broke while waiting for a fridge to, to arrive. Don't you live in Canada? Can't you just, like, leave your shit outside in a box? That's a great point, Panic! And let me tell you how I already did that and the problems that you run into also living in Canada. You see, we might have experienced the, technically speaking, first day of spring here the other day, but uh, it was below zero many nights, and so everything on the deck is literally frozen solid. Every liquid, every sauce, every everything that was taken out of the fridge and put back there, I actually threw some of it out that that i could get out of the containers or something no it's just it's just there that's your problem there Uh, i put some of them in a cooler uh because i only have so much cooler space uh but uh even the stuff in the cooler froze so it didn't really matter (laughs) it didn't really matter where it was or anything uh the universe was just like adam i know we've had our differences just wrecked you know what yeah. You just don't need any food for like a week. Yeah, no, it was bad. So now I have like all this stuff, uh, like milks and, and, and juices and stuff In lined bags. out on the, on the back deck, trying to get it into the sun so that it thaws so that I can empty the containers so that I can recycle them because otherwise they're going to be there probably until May and it's just going to be such a gong show. So, uh, yeah, so I finally got the fridge. I guess I'll get some food here tomorrow or something, uh, like real food. Stop ordering so much. Thankfully, I, I live close to my parents. And so mother uh, provided a, a handful of dinners. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just getting real. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm actually quite tired of Tim Hortons. I just, I don't think I could, I, I could eat another meal from there for a while. Uh, I've, I've gotten there too often now. So that whole process is finally being wrapped up. And I, I also, in the midst of all this have been continuing the process of preparing to move, uh, and all that in that, that includes, uh, I just realized that you have like the best view of me ever right now. The entire I'm, microphone I'm just talking just, to your microphone right you're, now. You're talking about microphone. Unfortunately with the current yeah. setup, that's the best that it, we can, we can do right now. So, go, uh, so yeah, it's, um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I've just been kind of doing that running around trying to make all that happen. And, uh, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. I had to, uh, I had to cancel my appointment with my accountant, unfortunately, which means my taxes still aren't done. So I'm going to have to oh, move I need that to do those again. 
Yeah, uh, because the fridge thing that took so long just so happened the delivery window was exactly right across one hour before and one hour after my meeting time with my accountant, and there was nobody that could cover for me uh, to be here at the house, and so I had to cancel, Um, but I guess, you know, it is You mean Rex couldn't take care of that for you? Uh, You know, I thought about it, you know, briefly, but uh, unfortunately, no, couldn't couldn't make it. Rex had an appointment. Couldn't, yeah, he also had he also had obligations. The good the good news is I sold a whack of stuff yesterday, seven hundred dollars worth of crap from my office uh, yesterday, and I might in the next couple of days. It's looking like I'm going to be able to sell that TV and soundbar and all that nonsense. But man, do I tell you, Halifax has got some seriously broke ass people. I have this this TV, my old Vizio or whatever, from a whopping two years ago. Uh, it doesn't have HDR because it's two years old, but it's 4K60. The standard, you know, uh, dynamic range on it the is one great. That you had downstairs in, yep, the, in the office. Okay. Looks it's 55 inch. Looks fantastic. Operates great as a gaming uh, TV because it has a super low latency input latency on it. And uh, uh, I originally bought it for 1,100 in tax. I have it up for 400 Canadian dollars, okay? Stupid fucking low. And I put it there that low I'll give you 250 sell. for it. And no, no joke. Okay, so I've had a lot of 300s, and I've just been ignoring them. And then somebody actually came on today and said, I'll give you 250 for it, and I'll come over right now. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even respond. I was like, bro, you can't buy a fucking 14-inch mo- fucking like, monitor for $250 anymore. You want to get this 55-inch... Basically, brand new television for two hundred and fifty dollars. It's still in the box for fuck's sake. Like it's literally all in the box and everything. Two hundred and fifty bucks. Go fuck yourself. Cash in hand. Yes. <laughs> Cash in. Oh, you mean like everything that happens over this website because it's the only way that you can pay? Oh, good. Well, I'm glad we've uh, established that you have cash in hand. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's been it's been kind of funny to see just how. Uh, crazy some people are. It's like they automatically assume that everybody posts things hundreds of dollars beyond what they think to, like, for bartering purposes. <laughs> and so even when it's a really good deal, they're like, fuck it, I'll just offer like 50% of the posted cost and see what happens. And then another guy today offered me um, 300 but for the entire package. So I have a package deal that is the TV... The Vizio 5.1 54-inch soundbar with subwoofer and two satellite speakers. The $200 full motion wall mount for the TV, plus a, uh, a, the mount for the soundbar so that it hangs below the TV if you use the wall mount, for $750 Canadian dollars. That entire thing for $700. You have an entire goddamn home theater for $750. Motherfucker came in, I'll give you $300 for the whole thing. I said, get the fuck out. <laughs> Who the hell? Are you high? Less than half for all of that? Are you serious? All of it's still in the box and everything? Like, this person must think that I'm trying to, like, sell this off so I can get a quick hit of fucking ecstasy or some shit. I don't even know what the hell he was You don't was know what's in that for. peanut butter, man. I, this is true. Could be, could be crack. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Uh, that so, kind of chunky peanut butter or smooth? <laughs> Both. All right. At the same time. Because really, if you think about it, chunky peanut butter is just smooth peanut butter, and they just add a couple of extra little crunches of, of peanuts. It's all the same thing. Just, just additive. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah, all best I can texture. do. I, I, I was waiting for the best I can do is $5. 
remark. I haven't gotten that yet, but what we got, well, I'm sure we're hey, going to get there. Someone's offering you three fifty for your shirt. <laughs> I'll get right on it. Take it off my back now. I'll sleep naked. Missed twenty fifth anniversary. We talked about this um, last week. We talk about this whenever something misrelated comes out because you got that raging heart on as you hear about it. Absolutely, full, full, uh, full mast at all times for missed. Uh, looks so, like fucking Bane right now. Uh, oh, with the whole thing in front of my face. <laughs> you're like looking at me, making eye contact, yeah. and it is like fucking Bane talking about missed. <laughs> um, so. Uh, we have more details now. Uh, so they're re-releasing the entire franchise, uh, on, for Windows 10. So they've been apparently working for years now to reacquire licensing for all of their games because Ubisoft has owned a good chunk of them for years and years and years and years now, uh, and have done categorically terrible fucking jobs of bringing them to the PC for new platforms like... Uh, for like Windows 7 or 8 or 10. It's all bad. It's all shit. So uh, apparently they're going to redo it, all of them. I don't know. Uh, they, I don't think I've seen any specifics as to like what efforts are going to be made to make them not shit, like the ones that already exist. But I have to imagine if they've gone through all of this fucking pain and suffering to bring it to Windows 10 properly, that that's going to mean that, you know, all of the FMV is going to work all of the like quick time shit that was used back then is going to be converted and, and usable. Uh, and, and so that the, cause I guess the idea or you would hope the idea here is that you obviously allow uh, people that played this game growing up to play it again easily, but also to also incentivize people that haven't played the games to play them because they can go in knowing that they're not going to have to like deal with a, Super old, broken, you know, game, right? So not uh, that, this DOS box crap. Exactly. So that's my that's what I'm that's what I'm going to assume is going to happen. Uh, and also, they're doing a mini. Somebody's doing a. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I mentioned him on Twitter um, a few days ago, but he's doing a mini documentary on the uh, series, the production of Mist, the uh, with the guys uh, at Cyan uh, Cyan World. So. That's going to be uh, something I look forward to as well. So I thought I'd just throw that out there because it's missed, and I have to talk about missed if something happens. In the I'm going to have to. I'm going to actually have to play through it for the first time. Like I, I, I played missed when I was younger, but I was mm. way too young to figure it out on my own. So uh, give it a yeah, go it's in my thirties. It's, it's something you can definitely like, especially if you played any kind of puzzle games post missed having been released in the nineties. If you go back and you play them, uh, you're going to see where s- basically every puzzle adventure has built off of what Myst, you know, created. Um, and that, and that, in my opinion, yep. Myst still did it better than basically every other puzzle adventure that yep. came after it. Nobody's really done it, uh, in my opinion, even as, as well. Um, Specifically, I guess I'll clarify, there are puzzle games that do puzzles very, very well, like and, and to varying degrees. But the actual puzzle adventure, which is a genre that hasn't been oft explored since the 90s, which combines puzzles and, believe it or not, adventure, and, and by proxy, story and characters and everything else that you would expect in uh, other genres of video gaming... Mist does that infinitely better than everyone else. A lot of people have done these games where 
Um, they're kind of island-like like mist, but there's no real story. There's like a kind of a story, but it's just enough story to prop up the area that you're it's in. just to justify you being there doing things. As exactly. As to actually being interesting in its own right. I exactly. I lost one of my lights, but. And that's, well, that's fine. That's, you, <laughs> we can still see you. Yeah, you're not so yeah. dark. You're not so dark that we can't see it when it's a little dim <laughs> in the room. So we're okay. Um, so yeah, that's, so that's, that's why Mist for me is, is still so important, especially seeing all these, uh, puzzle adventure games and in indie from indie companies starting to crop up in the last couple of years is that I'm hoping that more people err to the side of that more of an adventure feel and learn how to incorporate the puzzles with the story and everything to make a more cohesive, complete experience so that we don't end up with more, uh, shit tier, ass white pretentious games like The Witness, where it was just a giant Sudoku book where you go to panel after panel that's literally just lined up 10 panels fucking deep, and then uh, you get to listen to a bunch of audio uh, recordings whereby somebody uh, takes other people's ideas and and tries to make it their own. You you wouldn't happen to be low-key burning on The Witness, would you? Never. Never. Who would do that? Who oh, yeah. would ever I, I do that? The I call witness. That game, I call that game the witless whenever people start talking about how good a game it is. I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. This is not even that smart. No, it's like the witness is you know what the witness was to me? The witness was like uh, when you're if, if you've ever gone like if you went to university and it wasn't like a uh, and it wasn't a university that was particularly, for example, specialized in something. And so you had multiple disciplines and you come across that first year sociology student or psychology student arguing with the professor or philosophy student. If you if you take first year of any one of those, that is the witness incarnate is somebody who is like or or, or you know, goodwill hunting and the scene where they're in the bar and the, you know the my boys How do wicked you like damn apples yeah my boys wicked smart that 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 scene right and and the guy is just basically regurgitating shit that he read out of a book and then will calls him out on it that's the fucking witness is it's just regurgitated shit to try and and try and seem intelligent and then ends it all with that weird fucking GoPro strapped to his head, like oddly massaging bolts and various circular objects in his backyard, wherever the fuck he is. Uh, that was it just it's bad. It, it's ridiculous to me. So I, I hope that I hope that mist is taken a little bit more like the Talos principle approaches mist, for example, in the um, way it, it delivers its world. It's not quite there because it, it's built so fundamentally off of, you know, the whole um, what Turing? That other one that bugged me. Um, it was the it was the really stark, like white and like, um, um Oh, sh- uh, it was like the geometric one that was like yes. super stark and whatever. That one kind of struck. Like it seemed interesting, but at the same time, there wasn't really anything going on. I think oh. I played it for like an hour, and I'm like, this is actually has. No I think point. I played through that entire game if it's the one that I'm thinking of, but I can't. I can't quite get the game. Yeah, like you had like everything was white, and then you have like color things the through name. to move them around or whatever. I completely forgot the name of it. Yeah, but yeah. There was like a big resurgence in puzzle games over the past like three years. Yes, exactly. So I'm. Um, yeah, I, I just hope that it, it airs more towards the mist formula because the I narrative. find it so much more interesting. And, and I also matters. think I also think it shows a better developer at that point because if you can actually take your puzzles and weave them in with your story and your and and your location and it, makes sense. And it all and it all comes together that is a far more intricate and and compelling development uh idea than just here's a location and I came up with some puzzle and I'm going to put it here and here you go 
<laughs> go go solve my puzzle. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one way or another this fall, I guess is when we're going to oh, that soon. Uh, well, the 25th anniversary is September 23rd. I think oh, I didn't realize I thought it was for next year. That no. All right. Yeah. Well, they've been doing lots of, of 25 and 25th anniversary stuff. So it's gotta be for this everything. year because yeah. this would be the 25th. So yeah. Uh, um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming wow, this is only five year. years older than Starcraft. That blows my mind. Mm, I mean, I mean, five years older than than StarCraft puts that far enough back in PC gaming that that's a pretty big leap. That is true. That is true. Um, With the whole I doubling think, and everything. I, I think Mist was 92, uh, I guess. I was also uh, super young back then. StarCraft was, uh, StarCraft was like my peak time and like 12 mm-hmm. years old, ready to go. Yeah, it so, was. Uh, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, because I mean, and and Mist when it came out, the stuff that they did technology wise was crazy. Like meshing when CDs came out. Yeah, and meshing meshing QuickTime movies over top of the pre rendered backgrounds was well. It it provided a level of graphical fidelity that at the time it looked fucking like super real. Like it was crazy, uh, amazing to look at. I remember the space. I remember the rocket ship. Yeah, um, and it just got better and better. By the time yeah. they get to Mist 3 and the technology they had, they got to a point where, and of course on a CRT, you don't see like seams and stuff like that like you would on a high-def monitor now, but they got to the technology to the point where they were stitching images in a full 360 array. And so when you look up on a high-def monitor, if, when you go back and play them now, you can, if you look closely, you can see where, they, where they're all where stitched the together. But you, back then you didn't see that shit, yeah. and it just looked like a fucking 3D world, but it was all pre-rendered, and it looked so damn good, and it was... Yeah, this is, there's too much resolution now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, fun stuff coming up. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I think that'll be a good time, because I've been, I've been hoping to get Dad over uh, uh, eventually, and we were going to play through a couple of the Myst games, because that's, that's who got me... Well, not, it's not who he got me into, but it's the game that he and I played together first, was Myst and Riven. Uh, and then Rama was the third game. We did a lot of puzzle adventure games together. And uh, so I want to get that and stream with Dad and play through some missed games. And I think that would be good. So this, this, seems, this is a perfect opportunity for that. Oh, one last thing. Apparently, they, are, they also announced apparently they're going to have a physical collectory uh, edition for this release. Is that why you're selling everything so you can actually afford to pay the millions of dollars it's going to cost? Yes, I'm going to. Okay. Um, I'm preparing for organ cell uh, sales right now. Black market is not great here in Halifax, but you know it should cover uh, at least fifty percent of the cost. Look, if your shirt's going for three fifty, I can give you five dollars per kidney. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. I'll give you fifteen for all three. That'll that'll cover my, that'll cover tomorrow's Tim Hortons run. For like the seventh day in a row. Uh, sea of Thieves. That happened. Sea that came of Thieves. out. <laughs> that came out. There's no segue to that. It's just, I just looked over and Sea of Thieves. Uh, um, I'll give you, the be... best I can do is $5. Um, I saw people playing it during the beta. Um, a couple of our mutuals have been asking me to play. Um, and I looked at it. And I didn't really get it. Um, one, I don't get why they released it right now. Two, I don't get why it's $60. And three, I figured if I wanted to play 
a deep and good pirate game, I could just play that one small segment of Black Flag where you just fly around <laughs> on around repeat. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a big, it's a big, it was a big part of the game, and there was a lot to it. But from what I've seen of Sea of Thieves, it like it's like a thousand miles long, but like three feet deep, from what I've seen. And I feel like high concept. I'm going, to, I'm going to allow you to use that analogy, but that analogy has been beaten like like the uh, beating a dead horse analogy and has been has been beaten to death. Yeah, but <laughs> but for it's accurate. A, for it's a accurate, pirate though. game on the high seas. It's um, more like a, a pirate game on the high puddle, if you know what I'm saying. Well, well that's what I, that's what I'm saying. I'm just going to get there. I was going to say this is not one of those games that you want to like get on the diving board and dive in because you're going to break your neck. Um, it's going to be a bad time. Um, and like, I, I, again, I look, I, I see it fun at like a concept level. I just feel like it's not a done game and it shouldn't have been released right now. Cause there's not like, it's the same repetitive gameplay loops and it just, yeah, I, I see people having fun with it for two weeks and then moving on. I, I've already heard streamers saying, yeah, I don't know if I can play this for like too long unless I get a couple of people to play. Cause there's not much to do you know content wise or even interest wise like unless i have people role-playing and doing stuff it doesn't really happen and it's been kind of reflecting the same way in the reviews i've seen reviews where people are like this is the best thing since sliced bread and i've seen most of them have been coming in though I, forbes came in harsh they're saying like this game should not have been released and it's an insult because it's like a 10 percent complete game and I'm not just that, like, not that, not that Forbes exactly has a lot of clout in the gaming community, but yeah, uh, but like you know, a mainstream outlet coming out and saying that is not very common. They don't true. usually straight up thrash a first, like a major first party true. game. True. Yeah. So I played, I played it briefly um, in in the last beta, and then I played it uh, again on full release here. Um, a couple of times, again, briefly, handful of hours in total, I would say uh, maybe five or six hours in total um, with Gabs, who absolutely loves the game. It looks like it's fun to just, like, you know, mess around with and, like, just for sake of having fun, it seems like yeah. you'll get that out of it. I just didn't see it as, like, <clears throat> a full triple tier level thing, like, or triple S or triple tier, wow, uh, triple A <laughs> level game at this point. Right. Like, and I can see people having fun with it. I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I might be dead inside. Who knows? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think we're all a little dead inside, but, uh, no, I get, I get what you're saying as well. And, and I, I can see why, I can see why people like the game. Mm -hmm. Like Gabs really enjoys the game. Um, but my feelings, my feelings about it after the beta and playing the full release game now have not changed. And I know that there's technically more to the game now than there was during the beta, but I don't really see it. Exactly. Um, I don't really see it. And there was there were some I read a few reviews and there were some people not really not necessarily complaining, but just mentioning that in the onset of the game when you're first starting, there are a couple, and this is true because I went through this process myself, there there are a couple of things that the game will, will walk you through. Like the the general process of acquiring um, acquiring quests, getting to your ship, finding the quest area, and that's and that's about it. 
And then after that, it's kind of you're, you're on your own. Now, I, I want to draw a very distinct line here in, in the sand, so to speak. Not even the sand, but just a, a, a distinct line between these two concepts. Because I've seen a lot of people that really like the game that are defending it like it's the fucking baby. Where it's it's fine when a game wants you to figure stuff out for yourself and go and do it and explore the world. That's fine, okay? But you have to you have to completely walk through the core of your game before you let somebody loose Once. like that. Once. You can't just like yes, it's cool you to do that. And if you're somebody that's like, haha, I'm just gonna figure it all out on my own. Uh, then that's great, but you gotta understand that you are in the fucking minority, and that people, even if they're searching for an experience whereby they get to go out into the world and do that, that's exciting to be able to experience everything, because at that point, what that makes you feel like, even though you know, you should know internally that odds of you being the first person to do anything in a game is basically zero, but it makes you feel like you are going to be the first person to be able to do experience something in the game or the game world or see it's like seeing the Kraken for the first time or, you know, whatever. Um, that's great. But you still need to know how to fucking do the, the core mechanics of the game. And well, if you find it fun to just bumble and fumble for like the most basic shit, cool. But that's that to me is is just shit game design, in my opinion. And I then agree for, and disagree. Yeah. Okay, um, I wasn't. Fin- uh, let me let me oh, finish ahead, my, my my thought first. Okay, so, uh, and I and I, I I like the beauty of Morrowind for me as a, a comparison point for a number of reasons. One, it's my favorite game of all time. So I've played it for thousands of hours, which means that pretty thoroughly played the game. But it it's good for many examples. It's good for playing for to show that I don't I don't necessarily need a game to be perfect in order to enjoy it because we all know that Morrowind is categorically one of the most broken ass games of all fucking time. But two, it also shows that I greatly enjoy games that leave you on your own because there aren't very many games that literally have a pop up message as you leave the fucking uh, office in the beginning where it says, or literally it's like paraphrasing, it's like you're on your own. Good luck. <laughs> just it's like in Star you know, Fox, you have you know, that fucking, like mangled. Good luck. Yeah, just get all, you're on your own. You know, have fun. So like, I I I obviously greatly enjoy that shit. But the difference is in the in the context of this discussion is that is that the a lot of the core stuff of Morrowind is put in front of you in that opening sequence. Uh, and beyond it, like there are points that you, you get to these checkpoints where the game will say, okay, we're going to tell you how to do this once. And then that's it. And you're on your own. You have to, in my opinion, provide that once. Otherwise it just seems unless, okay, I'm going to say this, unless your entire design philosophy or the entirety of your gameplay fucking loop is based upon players having to literally work out every minute, minute, aspect of your gameplay then okay but that does not seem to be the thrust that sea of thieves is going for yeah now I'm so done. yeah oh, that's right <laughs> no so again a, a, a thing that I, I i bring it up a lot more nowadays because it's actually become a lot more important um with the resurgence of open world games um is in game design one of the big premises is obviously game mechanics, which everyone talks around talks about all the time. Um, 
but in an open world game, um, the mechanics actually evolve. And in a lot of games, they, they evolve into what's called a gameplay loop. Um, you've heard Adam and me and others that say it all the time. Pretty much what a gameplay loop is, is a chain of game um, gameplay mechanics that will get put together in such a way that you're going to pretty much do something. So in, in an open world game, that could be exploration systems where, you know, there's going to be markers on the map that you kind of have to go and reach. That's a single gameplay loop to get, you know, gain experience. Another one could be a crafting system, whatever. Um, open world games, especially for things like Sea of Thieves, you need to have, especially if they're going to be, you know, not much content around it, you need to have very robust and deep gameplay loops. Things that, you know, if they're going to put you on your own, things that you can discover and, and, you know, figure out and like get rewarded personally from being like, oh, you know what? If I'm in a galleon and I'm turning the wheel, for example, something you might figure out in that gameplay loop is if I need to turn a certain way, I'm going to have to turn the wheel, you know, left a you know, certain number of turns and then bring it back a certain, you know, get, get the hang of it. That would be considered a way of enhancing a gameplay loop that comes as personal skill. Um, my issue with Sea of Thieves, as an example, is you have a couple of limited gameplay loops that are kind of layered on top of each other to seem complex, kind of like you have a game like The Witness is trying to be a puzzle game. Sea of Thieves has a bunch of these loops layered on top of each other, which work together pretty well. And for what the game is, I think it's actually done very well for what they've done, but they're not very deep. Like you have your navigation, which is you hold up your compass and then you have to coordinate with another player who's going to be on the wheel of the ship and then someone else doing the sails. There's not much going on in each of those individual jobs to give you too much satisfaction other than when you have the coordination going on as a group. Um, sea of Thieves to me kind of look like, you know, the C version of Star Trek bridge crew mm -hmm. um, just without the VR and stuff. So again, it just seemed like it was a lot more simplistic. And again, if you're, if you're doing like a triple A, if you're, if you're selling this thing as like a triple A title at the full $60 price point, I feel like you just need to have more going on. Like there needs to be more questing and more interesting things to do in the game and more of those gameplay loops. Like there needs to be more things to do on a ship than, you know, the weapons and all that stuff. Otherwise the game doesn't have depth and longevity. Um, if you apply gameplay loops to other games like PUBG, PUBG's got the one gameplay loop, really. There's not much else going on. You have your, you have your running around and looting, and then you have your killing people. There are two loops, whatever. Um, and it, it, but there's so much depth in mastering each of those individual loops during the sections of the game. That's a different type of game. So you can repeat that a lot more often and still get fulfillment out of it. So that, that for me, is my mentality on it. So, like, again, Sea of Thieves does the open world thing, but... It doesn't really, I don't see much fulfillment coming out of it beyond like a week or two or three once people move away from it. I think if, if I'm, God, I hate, I hate doing this because I know the immediate yeah. knee-jerk reaction for a lot of people in the community yeah. is going to be like poo-pooing me for being critical of a game that, that somebody out there it's likes. It's a good they game, like, but it's, it's not at the same time. So, so there, there is a, to me, Sea of Thieves conceptually is good. But in practice, like you're saying, there's not enough depth for, for, for there to be long-term satisfaction. I'm telling you right now, I'm fucking promising you that 80% or more of the player base will be gone inside of a month. 
for that's, this game. That's literally what I've been saying. Two exactly. weeks, three yes. weeks, gone. It's gone. They're going to evaporate. And it's not going to be because, oh, they just don't like the game. No, there's not enough to do in Sea of Thieves. And on top of that, they've had a bit of a rough start. Oh, the tech, the tech problems have been... So, Again, which, surpri- which surprised me. Really popular. Degree, really popular yeah, game, but though. it surprised me because they did... They, uh, Sea of Thieves went through one of the more public and uh, thorough pre-test runs of any AAA title that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, and pretty much all of the problems that were still even happening during those tests just pretty much continued to happen at launch. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like like developers are always going to be able to gauge that there's going to be three, four, or five times the number of players on launch day as, ver- as during the test. Um, but you know what? In this, in this oh. case, in this case, with the amount of of interest in this game and the amount of people that were trying to get in for these betas, you should probably have fucking figured out that there would be close to as many people that have been trying to get in as there are. Now, I'm sure there's also a side to this where they even know that a good chunk of these people aren't going to be there long term. And so they're they're playing the long game here and not overbuying for what they're going to need. My counter argument to that is this was a Microsoft exclusive game. And you know, I'm always on the side of hardware and developers for this sure. one. This time I'm not. This time I'm actually, <laughs> there's one reason and one reason alone why I'm giving, I'm going to give them a hassle about this. Microsoft is one of, is, is friggin' the third, second or third largest cloud provider in the world with the Azure cloud services. Um, and they've been doing, you know, Xbox type game, you know, live games for decades. Right. If they if they True. know there's type of games coming out, their architecture should have been something that's cloud oriented. This is Microsoft. I mean, yeah, you can spin up capacity. They got data centers worldwide. This is something yeah. that they should have been like, oh, shit, we probably need more nodes. OK, hey, let's just go spin up a bunch more nodes on the Azure cloud over here. And boom, you know, and they, they should be able to respond a lot quicker. This is literally yeah. the bread and butter for what they offer their enterprise clients for massive deployments. And the, that's the other my thing, one pow pushback on it. And the other thing is Sea of Thieves is a big title for Xbox right now. Yeah, they should have been like, oh, you know what? We need to be ready for this. And then, yeah. have, you know, they have the data center capacity to do it. It's the Azure, Azure service, right? They're fucking huge. They've got monstrous yeah, so friggin' I, I, and centers. If they didn't use the Azure service for this, I'd be like, holy then shit. Then I'd really be what confused. If, yeah. I'm like, you guys got the huge data center. What for? You're not going to even use them for your own games? Yeah, it's... Um, that, that's why I'm just... This is like the one of the very... And my, my stance is going to change more in the future where it's going to be like, you've got Star Citizen on, you know, with on Lumberyard with, you know, AWS. Yeah, you don't have, gonna, you don't have any... I'm, I'm going to kind of hold them to a similar stand to like, yeah. yeah, you guys need to... You guys have self-provisioning and whatever, I understand. You should be able to at least meet load, so... Yeah, so I, I think I think that Sea of Thieves plays very well for a short yeah. period of time before it's reality. Not a bad game. It's no. not even poorly designed. It's just there's not just deep. there's just not enough uh, in it. Now, for some people, it's enough to get into a group of people to get with a group of people yeah, and go to a, go to an island and do you know open the map up. And, and eventually, and I'm telling you again, it's not going to take very long. You're going to see this shit repeat real quick. You're going to be doing it 
you know, auto, like autopilot. And then the only variability is going to be when you run into other players on the seas and you're getting into combat. And the combat can be fun and exciting. And that's where the depth of the gameplay comes in the most because you're coordinating with your, your crew far more in combat than you would in just general navigation. So that's probably the height of, of Sea of Thieves excitement is during combat um, because it's also where the most, the, the most risk uh, is is involved if your ship goes down you're carrying kind a bunch of, wish of loot that's, that's, that's where that's, that's where my issue came in i kind of wish there was like you know at least another two or three ships you know it's right now it's just galleon and the sloop yeah you know, if they had a little bit more variability a little bit more interest in you know a player and their crew putting together and assembling a ship to their preferences you know maybe changing up the can doing a little bit more for that sort of thing it would make it a lot more interesting and a lot more variable you'd have a lot of different strategies that you know you can kind of go it's like your scout for if for example if you had more ship customization with different weapon types and setups that you can do that the players can pick mm. the scout who's using the uh you know the view the hourglass or whatever or viewfind telescope to see far away his job becomes a lot more interesting because he's got to be like, all right, I see the ship. All right. It looks like it's raw. You know, it might be a galleon or Karak or sloop or whatever. It's, you know, but you know, the guns are mostly on the front or the guns are mostly on the side and he has to communicate that to the rest of his, his teammates. And then they can figure out a strategy and it makes it, it a lot up, more interesting. I, I had originally, you know, I was looking forward to see if these quite a bit mm-hmm. and I, and we my talked original, about it a bunch on podcast before. yeah, my original thought on it was, or my hope for it was when it came to the ships and stuff is that it was going to be like guns of Icarus on the seas. Yeah, you had a couple of different types. Because you get different types, and for the things that you just mentioned, like different weapon types will end up being on on these ships, or or in this case, more than likely, not types, but weapon placements. And then the the points on the ships that are stronger or weaker based on on the kind of ship that you're you're going up against or that you're in. Um, You know, I would have just hoped that there was more more of that in it, because there's... uh, there's just not enough in the game to do. I'm I'm so happy that for some you know for some people that it's fun enough in a group. I just here's 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 how I know that it's it's got some problems. Um, uh, people put a people even the people that like it put a bunch of conditional shit onto how it becomes a very fun game, and it always relies on at its core having at least a couple of friends to make it work at all. If you go down solo, then it's it's pretty much it strips away the vast majority of any kind of fun in the game, um, and that's a, a pretty telling sign because the game cannot survive. I'm telling you right now, it can't survive a multiplayer alone. And this is this is uh, the problem. Ubisoft this game has. could have made a killing the same way. They already made they already made this game. Ubisoft made yeah, it when they, they just made, they just didn't they, make they, a they multiplayer. Never, they, yeah, and they never didn't they never followed up on it. But like they actually did the polls, and everyone was like, "We would kill for this game." So and Rare came along and made it. Rare, Rare is looking, Rare is looking long term with this game. You yeah. see them talk about recently in an interview, you know how the launch went and and their their concerns and their whatever, and they're talking about you know we've got stuff coming up for months and years down the road. All right, so they plan on monetizing this for a relatively long period of time, and they plan on adding on it onto it. Um, in some sort of way to keep money coming in so that they can fund development for it. I'm going to be uh, very interested to see what the longevity of this game is for, for their sake the and for revenue. Is they might not have shipped with enough stuff to keep to hold it until people, the stuff coming enough, in. Exactly. So like that, that would be my question is how, how many people can they And how much can you extend hold? on the gameplay loops? Because the problem, the big thing with... So 
and this is again with open world stuff if you're planning on monetizing over a long period with additional content and stuff to add into the game the problem is you have to have the gameplay loops be somewhat mature early on like if you can't just start stacking on new gameplay loops later on and be like oh we've added all this other stuff because then it starts getting kludgy and messy when you try to have to stack them up and if you're content gating and all it gets really complicated but if you have the deeper gameplay loops in the game but then you're effectively doing things like oh we're extending the world this way or we're adding a new ship type or we're adding some new weapons that incorporate into the existing deeper gameplay loops you know like you're gonna have you know more you know harpoon type weapons or ballistic type weapon, whatever you know within the same loops it's comfortable for players and they'll keep consuming and keep going because they'll be comfortable in their, in their gameplay loops and be like, Oh cool. There's a lot more stuff I can do. I just think I I, I personally, I I personally think, well, here's probably, okay. So I agree with all that stuff, but now the game is just combat heavy, right? Oh yeah. I mean, there's stuff they can add. I don't know. They have to, they have to, they have to, you know, in my, in my opinion, I think part of their problem is that they're straddling the line between between small group multiplayer and MMO, and I feel they're, like they're not trying to going, make a lifestyle game, and they're and not they going to it. and they're not going to accomplish either of those things because I think what people you know are going to eventually want to see and 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 ask for are hub areas to get together and trade with other people or to be able to run into people more frequently instead of just in combat scenarios and have the ability to join up with other pirates on the seas and maybe control areas and do all and it's going to like people are going to want they're going to search depth the longer that this exists as a game the more depth people are going to want from it because no matter how much you like the game the game is shallow as fuck period whether it's fun or not that's fine but it's shallow as fuck and the longer people stay with the game the more depth they're going to demand from it uh, and uh, the question will be how much Rare is going to be able to bend the current formula that they've put in place as a core to be able to accommodate uh, increasing the depth uh, of the game long term. Maybe more than skeletons and random pirates. And I hope they do well because Rare is one of the best video game developers uh, around. They do some of the more, obviously, over in history, they've done some of the more unique uh, and likable character uh, uh, character, and I don't see character in terms of necessarily the characters themselves, but their games have character, where a lot of games don't mm-hmm. have character anymore. Rare games, you can tell when they you're playing a character. Rare game, right? So... I hope it does well because I don't want to see Rare in any kind of financial trouble. But <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you, I think Sea of Thieves, depending on how the next six months go, might put them in a bit of a of a of a shitty situation financially. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it might be it might be a bit uh, a bit rough. So we'll see we'll see how it all uh, comes together. And in a, a side note, I guess because we mentioned Ubisoft there. Uh, Ubisoft did manage to avoid being taken over by Vivendi, so congratulations. Vivendi just kind of backed off and just sold all their shit to Tencent. Yeah, because, well, uh, Ubisoft had been making a lot of plays to try and keep shares out of the hands of Vivendi for a while now, and I think Vivendi just got tired of the shit. Now they're just walking away. And so two other groups came up in, in Vivendi's plays to buy in quite considerably. One was like the Toronto's Teachers Union, which basically is the most powerful organization on the fucking planet. Nobody knows it. And then um, another one, I can't remember who, what the other one was. I think it was another game company. It might have been EA or some shit. But um, yeah, Vivendi's officially out. Thank God. Like we needed Vivendi to own any more friggin' publishers. 
at this point. Uh, so congrats to uh, to uh, the crew over at Ubisoft in 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 Montreal, surviving and hopefully not making shitty games and sticking yes. to their guns. Yes, that would be great. We could uh, definitely use some more of that. PUBG Mobile uh, launched pretty much in the same window over here in North America. It had already been out in Asia. Uh, Yeah, as Fortnite. So Asia had already been around, and the Chinese market specifically, because Tencent bought the licensing for PUBG and created this mobile game in like 24 hours, and the game was basically as good as the fucking PC game because, as we all know, uh, Blue Hole... Uh, fucking blows some serious dong when it comes to developing video games. So, uh, that super popular over in China finally releases because obviously Fortnite forces their hand because they release theirs. Cross-platform fuckery that they that Fortnite's got going on is crazy. But, uh, <laughs> but it's released. But the problem that it's got uh, over here now at the very least, and, and I don't know if it's the case in, in China as well because I just haven't seen anything come out of it yet, uh, is that apparently it's plagued with bots. Uh, I, I was a little surprised with your phrasing of that when you, when you listed it, because, um, so from my understanding, the way the bots are working, um, is that you will, it will start off with putting you in a map with a couple of humans and a ton of bots. And then as you play more games, it will start scaling down the number of bots on the server and increasing the number of humans. Because effectively, they didn't want to dro- drop all these mobile players in and have them get their asses handed to them and then drop the game after the first few times. So they're like, but are they disclosing that in any particular way? Because no. all you're seeing right now, right? This is a low. This is just all. Making players feel good and good marketing. Because what are you seeing? What are you seeing? You're seeing everyone on on Twitter. Oh my God! Look what I did. Twenty kill chicken dinner. First matches on mobile, boys. Let's go. The new dock. The new shroud. Exactly. So like people are all frigging jazzed about the fact that they killed a bunch of shitty bots. Come at me, ninja. (laughs) And uh, I just found it. I just found it kind of silly. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not actually surprised, but I found it kind of silly. And it just. It, it just, I just feel like at this point, PUBG needs whatever is left of its reputation, which isn't much. I mean, it's basically like a shriveled up, just raisin in the corner of a room that some child dropped behind a couch, and it's got some <laughs> life left to it, but it, it, it's, it's not much, and eventually maybe the dog will find it and get some enjoyment out of it because the dog's starving and it will eat literally anything it finds. But that's PUBG right now. It's a shriveled up, thrown away raisin behind the fucking family couch. And it just needs any fucking shred of dignity that is left. It needs to grasp on to hold on to it for dear fucking life. And 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 just make that be the forefront. Because I swear to God, I have not seen a game that is so successful be so poorly fucking managed in all my days. And I don't think... I'll ever see it again, uh, because I, 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 this will be never like a never. Well, true. I mean, we, uh, yeah, this is this is true. But it's going to be a while because because I don't think I don't think people are going to bite so quick after PUBG uh, has has done its thing. It's just fuck. I can say this every podcast. We talk about PUBG too much on this podcast, but I had to because the mobile thing and, and, you know. Can we talk about another cool topic, which I actually enjoy other than PUBG? Absolutely. Let's do that. Great single player games. Holy crap. Man, what are those? 
I don't know what they are. It's like it's like what's an eight track? I don't know what that is. What what's a record player? Panic. What what what? I single, got one right here, man. I got what, one right there. What single player uh, experience are we? Uh, I know which one, but I'm just asking oh, the yeah. question anyway. Uh, are we talking CD about CD Projekt Red bringing us some sweet, sweet, sweet Cyberpunk 2077? The dream. Um, they actually finally gave us um a couple more crumbs of information. Okay. Um, um, did you actually look at the article or not really? Uh, I haven't had time to take a peek of it. No, I just, uh, so the, um, the run through is, um, this was not in the context of any gaming event or anything. This was straight up in the context of them having one of their like investor slash financial event calls. Was this their second Twitter post in like 15 years? Oh no, this one was, um, this one was their investors asking Uh, questions on on one of their calls. Um, so pretty much they said, um, the big things with cyberpunk is that it's going to be, on par with the witcher in terms of single player depth of content okay that's quite a that's quite a smattering yeah that's that's a and for those of you who have played the witcher you kind of understand the kind of scale and gravitas cd project red's going for then um on top of that they've also said that there will be no microtransactions within the game it's going to follow the same structure in terms of expansion and content as the witcher where there will be a mix of free um free content added as well as um expansion packs kind of like um uh, blood and wine or whatever that one was called right. for witcher where they just add like a big chunk of gameplay and shot at once um they were a little bit more cagey on multiplayer an investor directly asked them um what they were going to be doing in terms of multiplayer or software as a service. And they said, we haven't taken anything off the table, but we are not ready to comment on anything yet. So he explicitly didn't say no, but he also didn't say yes, which was interesting. Hmm. Um, they also noted that they were, they would be in attendance at E3 2018. But when asked if they were going to be doing anything related to cyberpunk, they said, you'll just have to wait and see. We're not, which we're not is disclosing a, anything right which now. Which is a low key. Yes. Yeah, they but just you, don't they're, know real, they're very cagey about it. They so. just don't know what to what extent they're going to be showing things. They just know now, that there's going to be yeah. something there. The big thing, and again, this was like uh, this was like a couple of li- this was like maybe two or three words in this whole thing they were saying. And the thing that interested me was um, they said the big difference between this and other games they've done is that this will be heavily story driven, but there will be no like defined personality or of the central character. So there's not going to be like a named Geralt of Rivia type character. Instead, it's going to be the player. So it feels like it's going to be like a more free form, so like a co-tour character type of thing, thing, which to me is interesting because CD project Red hasn't really done that with much of their games as they mainly have the Witcher and some other small things they've done. So like, I'm kind of curious what they'll bring to the table for their take on a, you know, a player defined character as a central mm. role in a story. Yeah. I mean, I've always preferred, I've always preferred that. Um, I, well, I like I having a say big that. character. I, I like I pre- having a larger than life. Yeah. One. I, I prefer, I prefer it if only because it tends to. It's a stronger story. Yeah. Well, if it's done well, it's better than, than the opposite. It's just that there. I don't. I don't know that the list has been particularly long of games that have done it really well. But what yeah. it also does for me is, and you know, the entire, you know, part, well, not the entire, but a strong section of the of why or, or you would do that kind of style of, of story delivery with that main character is that it it limits 
how much the player can dislike the 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 character they're playing. So some people when they're uh when they're playing in Mass Effect and they're she- and they're playing Shepard even though you can kind of play a good or a bad Shepard there are predetermined you know actions that no matter how hard you try it's going to happen and it it kind of annoys people to a degree and that's kind of plays the the middle road yeah. with that kind of style but then you'll have like people that play um um uh, let's say um Oh, what's a good example? I'm trying to think because there's more examples. Because here's the thing: there are more examples where the the developer writes a strong character that you are playing because at that point it's easier, really, and so it allows it allows for better story integration. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to think of a you're bad. You're not trying to fill in. You're not. You don't have a black hole in the middle of your game like writing here's, department. Oh, here's okay. Here we go. <laughs> if 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 the Walking, okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to do it this way. If the Walking yeah, Dead was a video game. Rick would be a perfect example of the players probably wanting to fucking shoot the player that they're you that they're being for the game because Rick is just a categorically shit fucking character and so when you have to then when that's your only choice as the player to go through the entire game as Rick uh you you know you you're not so happy so when you get to have that experience where you make your character and there is a predetermined path that you take but you have some some agency in how that unfolds, and you usually tend to not even really know what your ultimate endpoint is. And like I, I use the example of Kotor, did that really well, where you you know you find out like your Revan uh, is that was fun, a mindfuck. Like, that's a mindfuck, right? And that's really done well <laughs> yeah. because up until that point, you just think that you've made a player you're some character, random person, and you're just you know going on your space Jesus way, and then all of a sudden, holy fuck, we're God, and like you had no idea. No, no, and, not even your God. You're like, oh, I was the bad guy for like a exactly part of the thing. Oh shit, yeah. I did all that. I fucked my up. Bad. <laughs> my bad. So you know that's a great example of that style. Probably my favorite example, honestly, of that style of of, of story delivery using the main character. So if if CD Projekt Red can take their pedigree with with what they did with The Witcher and kind of apply it to that, I agree. I'd be very interested in how they tackle that because maybe they find a new way of of doing it, um, and uh, or maybe they just do it better than other people. But who knows? Maybe they also just suck at it. We don't know. We're gonna have to well, wait and see. Uh, yeah. So like, I'm, again, I'm kind of um, I'm kind of seeing if they're like they might outfall out Bethesda if they do it right. Fallout's a really good example of having a completely undefined central character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, like someone yeah. mentioned in chat, I really thought about it. I'm like, no, Fallout's actually a really good example of that. You don't really have a bent on your character until you develop it out yourself. Yeah. You know? That's true. But although, yeah, it's, yeah, it's true, but it's also a great example of, of being confined in just about the worst yeah. way possible. Yeah. Uh, Bethesda's so, really bad for that. I'm <laughs> in really general. like uh, just even seeing that little bit of news today was, makes me really excited for Cyberpunk because um, I actually was jokingly tweeting out about it this morning um, as I was late for work because I was watching Mass Effect videos. Um, oh, perfect. <laughs> I, I just want I just want like a long, big. It's going to be a big that's what she said moment. Um, <laughs> long and deep and solid mm. single player experience. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was, no, the, what I was talking about this morning was, um, the whole, like I was trying to do a full 100% renegade playthrough and we got to the part where spoiler alert, you have to shoot Morden in the back. And, uh, yeah. Um, 
I did that. I clicked the button. How did that shot go? Shot Morden in the back. Watched the whole cutscene. Mm-hmm. Paused the game and sat there for about five minutes and said, "You know what? I am not that much of an asshole." Like, <laughs> I, I literally, I'm like, I know I'm going for the hundred percent renegade playthrough here, but, but I can't do it. I, 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 I can't let this stand. Like, I can't let Morden go out like that, especially when he's the one that gives you the pistol that you kill him with. That's I'm that's rough. Like, and I'm just like, nah, man. I reloaded the save and I, I let him do his thing. Can I be real though? I'm I'm one of the five people that only you have no liked, that only liked Morden about fifty percent of the time. Now I didn't actually kill him because I I I completely lacked the backbone to do Renegade in any of the Mass Effect games. So I was Max Paragon. Oh, I played through. I played through. I did like the full Max Paragon runs. And I did yeah. the middle runs, and I was trying. And I'm again. I'm kind of like you. I don't have. It's not. It's like the exact opposite reaction for me to do the Renegade stuff. So a lot of the times I was just like, "Oh crap, I got to do the Renegade thing." Okay, you know, so it's just <laughs> against what I do. But I was like, I want to see what happens because there was some really good content in that. But then I oh, watched the Morgan yeah. one, and I, I actually if. People haven't actually watched that scene because they couldn't get around to doing it. Um, yeah, just at least just watch out. it on YouTube because yeah. it actually, I would say, is one of the most powerful scenes in the entire Mass Effect franchise, even if you don't like Morden. The only renegade action that I ever allowed myself was to punch the reporter the in the face. Smack the reporter, yeah. yeah that's, she deserved it every single time. That's probably the greatest action that's ever been allowed in a video game ever, and it wouldn't be allowed, it wouldn't be allowed anymore. If you did that yeah. today, like the year 2018... Oh, oh then my god, just, what are you Can you imagine? The internet would explode. Did I just watch a man strike a woman? Brianna Wu would be all over that shit. She would be all over that shit, without question. Moving um, on. Moving on, <laughs> with no segue, really. Uh, the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer. Praise be to Phil Spencer for uh, at least attempting to pull Microsoft's foot out of the, out of the grave with the Xbox division. Uh, says he is open to allowing Banjo from Banjo and Kazooie uh, to be on the in the Super Smash Brothers roster for the Switch, and I immediately was like, "Yes, Banjo I knew it would I, be a perfect fit." At no point did I ever, ever think about Banjo being a Smash character, but as soon as that, as soon as I read that that friggin' headline, I was like, "Oh my god." It always confused me yes. why Banjo was not in Super Smash Brothers on the N64. How far apart was Banjo and Super Smash Brothers uh, development-wise? A couple of years, not that much. I don't think uh, Microsoft had bought them yet, because Perfect Dark, I think, came out after Banjo, uh, after Smash. Hmm... Yeah, I'm not sure. It might maybe that uh, there's probably there's going to be some good reason for it. But think about all the all the possibilities. You can shoot eggs for his range with Kazooie in his backpack. Kazooie's uh, you know for his running animation is going to be Kazooie's legs on the ground for his sprint, which would be just friggin' amazing. His double jump will be obviously, I would imagine, Kazooie also like basically all of his mapping shit from the platformer transfer like transfers quite easily to to Smash. Because they have like they have like it would be it would be like Donkey Kong because Donkey Kong had a very similar game to Banjo Kazooie. Yes, absolutely, and, and those mapped really well. There's ways to do it. But what would his what would his super be? He had a bunch of things like uh, he's, uh, what do you mean super like the big smash attacks? Or whatever? Yeah, is his is like his his ultimate smash move. Like what is what is his his well, signature Banjo move? Did the, like the whole jumping up in the air and like slamming down into the ground with Kazooie. Like this is true. Somersault smashes. But wouldn't that just be his down smash? Like his regular down smash? Or even like the golden feather shit. 
Hmm. He also had a couple of swings. Yeah, he, he had a bunch of moves. Yeah, you could you could come up with something, but uh, like how Oxy's like low key smashing on Banjo, saying Kazooie's the real hard worker. Well, to be fair, Kazooie does do like eighty percent of the work. To be to be fair, yeah, this is true. <laughs> now, to be fair, Kazooie also gets to be carried around for for the entire game. So unless you, you know, Kazooie's walking up a a, a hill. Uh, or or something for for banjo, which doesn't really mechanically make a hell of a lot of sense. But regardless, yes, Kazooie does do the vast majority of the uh, <laughs> uh, of the work, to 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 say the least. Uh, so yeah, my thumbs are up for I'm, that. I'm, if that happens, I'm nothing against that. I'm yes, yes. Sign me How up. Do you feel about ukulele coming in? Uh no. <laughs> You're like no, no, not e- no, not even a little bit. Um, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I honestly, ukulele was a pretty good game, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't so, yeah. Uh, however, I did see somebody put a concept together for a, uh, what was the, what was the, what do they call it? Were the cardboard shit for, for the switch? What was that, uh, called again? I completely forgot what it was called, but it was a character that was basically, based on that for smash which you know people automatically were like well that's like the we fit the train bot. all over again oh, yeah, and i was bot, like yeah. you know what fuck yes i want to see it because it's dumb as hell and i want to see dumb in smash brothers i want to see just yes just really really stupid stuff nintendo lab labo that's it it's kind of rob the robot in on this shit um well, isn't he already in like as part of something in smash <sighs> i think been. rob i think i think he is um but let's be honest, Rob was only really good for holding cans of pop. He didn't really do anything else all that <laughs> all that well. Uh, panic! Give me a little movie and TV jingle. Da, 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 da. Da. Movies and TV! Great. Perfect. I, we need Jeff back next week. Yeah, that was rough. Um, that's yeah, alright. I'm going I'm to I'm let you slide on that one. Isle of Dogs. Uh, I, this was like in the... In, in a, I can't remember which newspaper it was. I retweeted it. Or no, I didn't retweet it. I, I mentioned it in a tweet today, but I read it. It was an actual newspaper article in one of the major publications. Can't think of which one off the top of my head. It was a Twitter moment is how I came across it. Okay. <laughs> is that apparently Isle of Dogs is being accused and, and Wes Anderson, obviously by proxy or vice versa, is being accused of cultural appropriation of the Japanese. Wasn't there like a ton of Japanese actors in that? Like voice actors and stuff? I... I'm gonna be real with you, bro. I don't know, but even if there were, even if there wasn't, are you fucking serious right now? Like, I just, I can't fathom. And they they reference in the article they they made reference to the fact that they were like they they listed you know these stereotypes or these stereotypes of of Japanese culture that were used within the film, right? And they were saying, oh, this is Wes Anderson's fever pitch, you know, uh, dream of of his perfect or his like is Japan or, or whatever. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That's somebody else's interpretation. That's not appropriation. That's called interpretation. And use of stereotypes uh, has been around since the dawn of time for creative purposes. There's nothing malicious. Wes Anderson isn't out to fuck with the Japanese people. I would assume that he would actually hope that the Japanese people would enjoy the film... Uh, in the first place, like, what good is Wes Anderson doing for himself if he's out to alienate an entire people 
uh, from his film. I just, I can't even, I can't begin to, to try and, and connect the logic dots that, that these people are putting out there, um, at all. And apparently Wes Anderson, this is not the first time that people have accused him for this. And I've seen a fair number of Wes Anderson films and maybe just cause I'm a white dude and I don't even think that much about it, but I just, and maybe it's because as a white guy, when there, when there are other films that are done, uh, or, or any media at all, comedy specifically is probably the, the, the easiest space to draw these comparisons because in comedy, there's no, nothing's off limits really in comedy. So you can, you can, you can use, um, st- stereotypes is one of the easiest things that people go after in comedy all the time. And there's no white person sitting out there watching like Dave Chappelle or like other black comedians whenever they whenever they make fun of white people and 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 white privilege or or, or stereotypes the of the white Chris people. Rock sketch on yes. Netflix. Yes. Oh my That's God. fucking hilarious. You know yeah. why? Because stereotypes are fucking true. And sometimes when they're negative stereotypes, you have to live with the fact that that's fucking reality. Why is that? Why is that? have to be cultural stereotype doesn't a stereotype does not come from nowhere no usually. exactly that's there's a, like a seed of truth in it there's times when you you might push it too far but there's usually a seed of truth and it's it's finding the balance to using it correctly yes. so like from what i everything i saw from the trailers and stuff for this movie i haven't seen it yet it seemed like it was like an homage to like a japanese like animation style and stuff and it was I like, did, I, at no I'm not point sure what at, was going any, on. at any of the trailers that I saw, uh, and I consume oh my, a relatively decent, never came to my mind. Yeah. Like I, I consume a relatively decent amount of Japanese entertainment from, uh, from the reality show that I've, I've talked up lots, Terrace house, uh, you know, hashtag go watch Terrace house right now. It's fucking amazing. Uh, or, you know, animation, you know, anime or, um, I've watched a lot of Japanese game shows cause Japan be crazy with their, their game shows are fucking, uh, over the top and amazing at no point at no point with, it, with Japanese people I went to school with or, or whatever, anything that I could have seen stereotyping with them or anything, watching all of these trailers for, for, or the trailer, the two trailers I saw for this movie at no point did it ever cross my mind that Wes Anderson was out was out for the Japanese people and or or like appropriating the Japanese culture like I just so fuck. here's my here's my thing right um and I am probably gonna get ripped apart for saying it this way but my my take on the whole cultural appropriation shit um. You have no justification or validation or even standing to say anything about cultural appropriation unless you're coming from the culture you're saying is appropriate. Aided. So if a bunch of Japanese people came out to me and said, we feel that Wes Anderson is appropriating our culture in a negative fashion. Fair. By all means, that's an argument I'm going to listen to. I'll now listen to it. It doesn't mean it's going to be right. Or I, I don't know if it's right or I wrong, feel, but, but I, I, I'll listen I feel to like it. I, I, I feel that. You are making a good point, so I'm, you know, you are coming from there. So let me hear why you feel this way. Yeah, and I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anyone else's opinion about cultural appropriation unless they are actively part of. And I don't mean a Japanese person that was born and raised in America, because you might have Japanese family and you're part of it. But like, unless your ass is from mainland Japan, where this is obvious, that's that's where the culture is. 
specifically that would be yeah. be you know appropriate. Unless you're here. coming from the source, I, I, and this is going to sound I just, terrible. I just I don't, don't care. No, neither do I. <laughs> I agree. You're coming from the source, and I don't think that's a, ne- a necessarily negative thing. I think that's perfectly sane. The problem, I mean, the problem is everyone's going to say it's a negative thing that because everyone's opinion they feel like it matters. Yeah, but so, it doesn't. And I feel like I mean, people I, look, are looking around for this sort of thing now, and they're like, "Oh, Wes Anderson. Well, they are. Let me Google him." Oh, he's a white guy. Clearly, he shouldn't be doing something for Japanese culture. So I'm going to get really mad about it type of thing. I so. just I just look as a white dude. I'm starting to feel like that. Like if you're if you're white, you literally can't do anything anymore without being negatively attributed to something, some social fucking movement of some kind. You can't breathe without without fucking up. It's crazy. And like, I, I, and I, even me saying that the, the response that some people would have would be, well, Oh, boo hoo, poor white Adam. Oh my God. Do you know the suffering that has gone on in insert my ethnicity here? Like the, you can't say anything. You can't do anything. It's crazy. And, and like, I just, just you're right people go looking for this shit it's like they they have I, nothing I, I, else I, to do even i'm kind of guilty of it like and I, i'll be up front here with the shit that happened in austin and the way the media was portraying it i went i straight went off on a guy on twitter yesterday okay it's <laughs> like good. a whole big thing and then he kept arguing and i'm like do you not see the ridiculousness of, of your argument that you're not even like you're missing like the whole thing which is concerning to me in general, but either way, yeah. it's just like, ah. it is, it is, it's, 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 it's really, it's really crazy to me. Uh, so I don't know. I personally don't see it again. Like we were both said, if there were, were actual Japanese, if they people, have come out and said something, then I would listen, someone... I would listen to their, their argument for it. I, that doesn't mean that I will immediately agree with all of their arguments. There might be some I agree with and some I don't. If any because, listeners find or have like info on like the groups that were actually raising this, feel free to throw it in the comments. I'll actually look through it because I am interested in the argument and I'll probably look it up myself after the podcast. But like, I'm just curious who's bringing this up. Uh, well, when in the Twitter in the Twitter thing, right? The, the they didn't really mention it. Um, no, well, I, I scrolled through when you, when, you know, when you go to a moment and yeah, you scroll through, like the random there were, there were, the you know, made, you know, the highlighted tweets from people that were taking part in that, you know, whatever thing. And there were a mix. There were, there was one, I think Korean chick that I saw, uh, and maybe one U S Japanese girl. Most of them were women. I don't think I saw a man in, in the lot of it, um, for that. Uh, and not to be offensive, but that doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Uh, but, um, yeah, kind of crazy to me. Uh, the movie, I don't know. I don't know if the movie's any good. Most Wes um, Anderson films are not bad. They're, they're just the whether or not they're like of the your taste of it. It was like ridiculous, like huge names. Well, there, there are a lot of actors that just like working with fucking yeah. Wes Anderson. That's because yeah. he's, he's good and he does fun, different Films. But the thing I saw with it was um, there was like a like and it wasn't like the standard like when when I saw that I'm like really because like I when I, I saw the trailer um, when I was watching another movie the other day and the screen was just full of names but it was mm. like a 50 50 split 
of like real like Japanese actors and voice actors who are popular in Japan yes. and yes. a ton of American ones. I'm like, wow, you know what? That's actually really cool that they have like a big, you know, big ensemble Absolutely. of huge representation. I'm like, that's actually pretty cool. Now you would think you would think that the people that were Japanese acting in this film, if there was that much of an issue, that they might have raised concerns themselves. Because let's well, be honest, yeah. not all of them that were involved are going to be making bajillions of dollars off a Wes Anderson yeah. film. So, like, I like, God, it's crazy, 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 crazy. But I mean, Bill Murray is in it because um, Bill Murray is in every Wes Anderson film that he can get his hands on. Um, Bill Murray loves Wes Anderson. Yes, absolutely. That's like whole Steve Zissou movie thing. Um, who else did I see that was in that? It was Bill Murray, Brian um, Cranston, Brian Cranston, Corey Rankin, Ed Norton, Liv Schreiber, yeah. Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, Jeff Goldblum, yes, um, Kunichi uh, Nomura, Akira Ito. Think uh, of these Greta peeps. Gerwig, like huge names. Like uh, Yoko Ono's even freaking in it, but she's not really a Japanese. Not, this, not, not at this yeah. point anymore. Harvey anymore. Keitel, <laughs> Fisher Stevens of uh, Short Circuit fame, Courtney Vance, like from like Law and Order stuff. Yeah, freaking Tilda Swinton, Ken Watanabe. Yeah, there's big names in this. You just gotta, you just gotta believe that when you get those names behind it, that that somebody would have they raised their movies concerns. These aren't nobodies, and they aren't people that are attached to any real negativity in Hollywood, really. I mean, Bill Murray's not attached to negativity in basically any sense. Bill Murray is actually just God. I'm actually not convinced that he isn't God walking amongst us, crashing college parties and giving life advice. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, also, who in the fuck doesn't like Jeff Goldblum? Nobody, that's the answer. Everyone loves Jeff Goldblum. How dare you talk to me? He's exactly. He's so fucking funny, dude. He's such a great dude. He's a great guy. I don't personally know him, but I feel like I feel like what we see is not far from, you know, what what reality would present. <laughs> uh it's just oh my goodness. Anyway, here on a lighter note. Although I'm sure if somebody looked hard enough, they could come up with something to complain about, Mr. Rogers. Uh, Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, is coming. Did you see the trailer for this bad boy yet? No, I, I want to be, I, I'm waiting for the thing to come out and I'm just going to watch it. I don't want any spoilers for it. I love oh. Mr. Rogers as a kid, so I'm all ready for it. Um, Dude, the trailer, and, the trailer had me fucking choking back some fucking I don't tears, need, I don't bro. need to watch a trailer. I'm just going to watch it when it comes out. Oh my Mr. God. Mr. Rogers is probably one of the examples of one of the kindest and purest human beings on this planet. Yes. Yes. I have nothing bad I could ever say about him. He's always been a positive force in the world. I've said, I said in the tweet, I said, we need more people like him. We we need a, we need a new round of like children's television is absolute dog shit right now. And we need another round of your Mr. Rogers, your Mr. Dress Ups, your Fred Penners, your Mr. Wizard, your Raffies, your, like you, yeah, you, you need like stuff that isn't, you know, turned to fucking 11 all the time so that your kids are just bouncing off the fucking walls and their brains firing. The thing I liked about Mr. Rogers and a lot of people, it's, it's, it's the exact opposite of entertainment television, Mr. Rogers. Not, not in a bad way, right? Mr. Rogers is straight down the line. Like if, you, if you're looking at a, at a one, as one to 10 scale, Mr. Rogers is a very calm and level five all the yes, time. Yes, all the time, yeah. He goes through the whole thing and he keeps 
Wait, no, he went to six once in the classic gif where he gave where he gives both middle fingers. Yes. He went, so he turned to six once. But the, the, the show, the show was always. No, the show uh, like itself. Yes, the show is yeah. ultra professional on the show. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just a straight down the middle five. And for kids especially, that is incredibly important because yes. all, all kids TV is about stimulating and educating and all this other stuff. But a lot of kids these days, um, in general, one, they don't have good social skills because they're always in front of screens all the time. Yeah. Um, including tons of studies that have actually come out saying that, you know, parents saying, oh, YouTube is great for kids. No, it's, no, it's not. bad. It's, it's terrible. Really terrible. Like, the, you know, it does, does nothing for learning. That's how you get Logan um, Paul. Yeah. Um, but you have, um, you have a straight down the middle where it's not, you know, it's not just intellect. It's not intellectually super stimulating, but it's like just talking about things that kids might be interested in talking about. Like, you know what the, the important tank, thing, yeah, the, you, you know, cleaning up, you know, very calmly and methodically doing things. That's not I what th- happens in kids shows. It's I like think, highly frenetic blues clues. Yeah. I think the, um, I think one of the most important things about, uh, about his show was it taught kids how to interact with each other. Too, well, well, it taught, it, it, well, yeah. I mean, well, it treated, they tre- he treated kids like adults, which yeah. is not something that a lot of adults do or realize that is actually a very important thing to do is that yes, you have a fundamental understanding that the child uh, has limitations in, um, or things you have to work to around. Them. He talked with them. You have to, but you, but when you treat children like adults and you give them responsibilities that fit within the confines of their ability, uh, and you, uh, and you reward them when they do things well, and you talk to them about complex topics, you'd be surprised at how well they, they, they take in, um, relatively heavy, emotionally laden concepts. For example, one of the most important, probably one of the most important, episodes that Mr. Rogers neighborhood ever had was around the time where, uh, there were all of these attacks happening in the States on the black community for being in Mm -hmm. swimming pools, throwing acid, um, onto, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, black men and women in swimming pools, uh, just walking by and just dumping buckets of fucking acid. Like we were in the middle East fucking hundreds of years ago, just crazy shit. Right. He did an episode where he brought on a, a black friend of his and they simply sat down and they had this, this important conversation. And while they did it, they had the little kiddie pool and they both had their feet in, uh, in the pool. And I, I remember correctly, Mr. Rogers flat out fucking washed the man's feet. Like he did some biblical level shit, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And, and talked to, it just like it was, it was like a normal thing. Was talking it was like it was a it. normal thing. And, and that seems like that seems like something that a kid would go in one and go out the other. Kids remember that shit. I mean, I remember it. Oh, yeah. Kids, kids, kids take that in and they, they espouse those kind of values like really quick. Uh, because when a child sees when a child sees somebody that they can attach themselves to and consider them like a rock, like a foundation uh, they, you know, kids will mimic things really, really, obviously, if you've ever dealt with children, you'd realize this fact awfully fucking quickly. And so where, where Mr. Rogers was, uh, a rock for a lot of, uh, of kids and a good solid foundation and they attach themselves to him when he brings, when, you know, when he brings these concepts to them, puts it in front of them, they listen, they pay attention 
and they uh, and they they remember that they take it in, uh, so, yeah. and that's what's missing a lot in today. As much as I love SpongeBob because the shit's like funny, tolerance, understanding, and doing things for clarity's sake. Yes, there's this there's this one there's a story that everyone heard, and I actually when I was younger I would ask, I think I would ask like my parents or like my nanny. When Mr. Rogers would feed the fish, I always asked, why does he always say that he's feeding the fish? I can see him doing it. Mm -hmm. I found out like a couple of years ago, apparently like a uh, like a five year old who used to watch the show. His, her dad wrote a note in fr like as from her mm. um, to Mr. Rogers because um, she's blind or whatever. Yeah. yeah and she, she's always concerned about if the fish were fed or not. <laughs> and the dad at the end wrote, you know, my daughter is blind. And she cries if she's if if the fish aren't fed because she she doesn't know if they're going hungry or not. And apparently, ever since Mr. Rogers read that letter, he would narrate when he was feeding the fish on the yeah. show. And I had always wondered when I was a kid, why is he feeding? Why is he saying he's feeding the fish? I can see him doing it. Exactly. Well, okay. He just the level of consideration that the man had. Like, that's a that's a consider that's a trait we need more people. Yeah, we need to be conveying that. Um. Yeah, just uh, I I can't I can't I can't describe how much I feel like we need more need like of 500 that, of them now. Um more of of that kind of content because that generation of children's television had it right um in ways you know in in ways in ways that I feel like are only now becoming apparent now that they aren't the main thing like you that can still reading rainbow well, yeah, Those Reading Rainbow, shows. LeVar yeah. Burton, obviously getting children to read. That's huge. LeVar Burton back in the game. Uh, he, I mean, he brought it back to a degree, right? And he's putting yeah. it in schools and everything. I was part yeah. of that Kickstarter yeah, campaign. Yeah, I, I, I was as well. Yeah, um, so major, you know, major thrust for him to get kids reading again and everything. And he's doing it uh, again. But to see it on TV would also be fantastic, to say the least. Mm -hmm. uh, but that kind, of, that kind of shit, for sure. And so, any, like, the documentary's coming. I'm seeing it 310%. I believe it comes out in the summertime this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, my body is ready to watch that. Um, Will you actually have tears? Will your robot body actually produce them for Mr. Rogers? There are very few things in life that, that would do it. That might be one of them. Um, when Fred Penner passes away, that's going to be another one probably. Uh, as far as like, you know, people that I would have watched on TV as kid or, or whatever interacted with. So probably Fred Penner, Mr. Rogers. Um, yeah, I have a list of people that like, uh, just were growing up and everyone, if you, if you take in any kind of entertainment, you'll have th people on that list. Right. So even silly ones, like when Hulk Hogan eventually passes away, he, when I was like eight through 13 or seven, or even like seven through 13, uh, he was like a fucking idol, right? So anyone that when you're a young kid and you look up to them, if they've, if they've still managed to not completely lose your hope <laughs> when you're older, then uh, it's, it's a big thing. But yeah, definitely Mr. Rogers, for sure. I, I would be shocked if, if I wasn't fighting it in the theater while watching it. Um, here's a completely different topic. Or a different oh, thing. Random. There's no, there's no pivot to this. But I heard it, uh, I heard it a few days ago, and I, I, I couldn't process it. And then it made sense to me why I saw in the commercials for um, lip sync battle, 
her on stage. I was like, okay, now it makes sense. Now I know why they pulled her out of the friggin', you know, back room to come out and do lip sync battle. Roseanne is apparently coming back to TV with the original cast. I thought they've been talking about that for a while. Uh, they might have been. I never heard of it uh, until until just now. Um, mm. uh, but okay, so they're going so far. So this is what I was confused about. If I uh, when I when I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute. Didn't now John Goodman was on this show, and John Goodman is is a fantastic actor that's been doing pretty much exclusively big screen stuff for quite some time. Uh, he dabbles in other things, but you're most most of what you're likely seeing John Good- Goodman in is movies uh, for a long while now. Um, he was he was obviously a co-star on the show Roseanne, he was a big part of the show, uh, and uh, his character in the series finale the original series finale died but they are apparently going to find a way to resurrect his ass to get john goodman back on the show so i have no idea what kind of not that the not that their canon of roseanne should be all that much to be you know concerned about but i found it kind of crazy that that they're so they're so uh interested in bringing this thing back out of the crypt that they're also going to bring john goodman's dead character back out of the crypt in order to make this this show, I guess, relevant because at the end of the day, I think John Goodman's probably the biggest name that left that show. Uh, everyone else, I don't think anyone else did particularly anything that I could think of off the top of my head anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's coming back. Not to say that, you know, Roseanne was a bad show. I watched it a bit when I was growing up. I got a few laughs. It was pretty good. And it was part of the, you know, myriad of situational they already, comedies. They actually already spoiled the whole thing for how, why he's why he's back. Oh, okay. What? Why is John Goodman back? Is the All answer right, money? Everyone on the podcast, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say this right now. If you're a huge Roseanne fan, there's gonna be a spoiler. <laughs> so stop one, right now. One person has tuned out right now. Yeah. Um, literally they said, you know, the whole thing was at the end of the original series was he actually had died from the heart attack at the wedding. Um, they're literally just going to bring him back in where Roseanne's yelling at him saying, I thought you were dead because he's just in bed wearing a CPAP mask. <laughs> he finally wakes up. He's just like, I was sleeping. Why does everyone always think I'm dead? Wow. And then Roseanne just says, you looked happy. I thought maybe you moved on. And then they just go. That's it. That's it. That's amazing. I'm not even mad about that. That's good enough. I'll take it. Yeah. I feel <laughs> it's I, like I, nonchalant. They didn't like belabor it. They're just like, well, I was sleeping. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. That's close enough. Um, yes. I, you know, I'm being reminded that a couple of the members of big bang are, are from Roseanne, but, uh, but I feel like most of them, like Leonard, for example, started, I mean, Leonard was a child actor for God's sake. He was, he was going to be fine with or without Roseanne. I feel like, uh, but yeah, so there you go. So Roseanne's coming back. So everyone get excited. You can listen to that. back as a Netflix original or ABC Grading or voice. I don't know. I don't think it's a Netflix thing, but everything else is a Netflix thing. So, I mean, if you're a betting man, <laughs> it might very well end up being a Netflix thing. Uh, that's all I've got for TV and movies. You got anything else that you've come across in the last? Um, I have concerns about Pacific Rim. Okay, um, what are your concerns? About? I, I saw uh, another trailer for it. I'm going to be real with you before you say anything. I'm going to be real with you. It doesn't look all that good. 
Uh, yeah, the reviews have been coming in saying um, Guillermo, del, Guillermo del Toro not being in it was a big, big, uh, it hurt the movie. Oh, boy. Uh, um, they said whoever, like they said, they said it was very weird. Um, it didn't quite <laughs> hold up. Um, there's like weird pacing problems in the fights. Okay. Um, and just the structure and script and character twists are like all weird and messy. And like they don't make sense for some of the characters. And they said overall, this movie was not gonna. They said they had they had always thought it wasn't gonna live up to the hype of the first one because the first one was kind of like an unexpected hit. True. Um, but this one's like not even close. A lot of people oh, are saying. Oh rip! It so, did. I mean, I, I mean, I felt that way when I watched the trailer. I don't know what you felt when you first watched the, um, the trailer. I thought but... I, I, I didn't think it was going to be as bad as the reviews are coming out. I didn't think it was going to be as good as the first one. But they said somehow they've um, managed to like make robot fights not great <laughs> that's what it kind of looked like when i was watching the the stuff in the trailer and you know in the trailer they tend to show off like the best it's kind of like in uh it's kind of like in matrix 2 where they uh overdid the cg and like the crazy weapon effects and stuff mm. um but then there's just like some weird plot deus ex machina of weapons not working and then all of a sudden working and weird things like being like you know for a robot of this size you would expect it to be more interesting um the big big thing that apparently I'm concerned about now because the whole thing about Pacific Rim was they gave you a big universe of stuff without actually beating you over the head with what was going on in the universe. Similar to the old John Wick bit. Yeah, like you could like you could tell the state of the Jaegers across the world. You can do all of these, you know, you can get an idea on what was going on and all this other stuff with like how the politics of the world was going, but apparently like that's like heavily missing in this movie. Like really? characters in weird ways, like you don't know what's actually going on win the world in certain ways like you can't like the big one they said is like you can't tell if humanity has doubled down on jaegers and is like super active about it or if they've just grown complacent about the kaiju like and i'm like that's a pretty big thing to not nail in your script i feel like that might be the crux of the entire movie's existence if i'm going to be completely honest with you so and if you've got more than one person saying they're unclear on that it must be the Did case. Did someone read the script beforehand? Yeah. I Like, okay, so when I found out that Guillermo del Toro was not going to be part of it, that was pretty much my the biggest red flag that, <laughs> that like, I, oh, could, oh, I could oh, come whoa, up whoa, with. Whoa, man. He needs, you need him. You need him. Yeah, Why are you, you doing this without him? Wait he's, for him. He's the reason the first movie fucking was successful in the first place. You know why? Because he sat there and watched the movie frame by frame. I guarantee you'd be like, nah, man, all right, in this frame... The foot's got to be like more crunching into the ground. All right. You've got look, this giant multi-ton monster flying at you. You can't be just like flying back. Look, I feel like a lot of people and I might be crazy for saying this and Jeff might Jeff, if he was here, would probably bite my head off for saying this. But I feel like a lot of people sleep on Guillermo del Toro. I feel like a lot of people don't even know that they've watched Guillermo del Toro movies and really, really fucking like them and known that I thought that they were amazing movies, but had no idea. That Del Toro was behind them. Oh, guaranteed. He uh, has, has he ever has he ever done a bad movie in his entire life? Like, has it ever been like a particularly shit movie? Like, I feel like I feel like from a world building perspective, Del Toro is probably better than almost everyone else in the industry when it comes to translating a built world on paper into showing. And with Shape of Water, he showed that again. 
and won a whack of awards for it He's this got, time around. He does really good, like, he does really good stuff, but for some reason he doesn't have the name recognition he should. Yeah, it's weird. Like, he's, um... It's mainly because he's not a he's not like a bombastic, charismatic, like huge out there kind of guy. He's much more he's very quiet and meticulous about what he's working on. Like he'll get hype about while he's doing the directing and stuff. But he's not like out there screaming from the rooftops. He's not like a big he's not like a Steven Spielberg or James Cameron when it comes to the big name stuff. But he's just as meticulous as they are. Like he's very particular on how like lighting and how the scene, especially the go. visual, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you see that coming through in Pacific Rim One with the lighting and the way he puts everything together. Like there was a reason why the rains were torrential and why they placed everything in Pacific Rim the way they did. The rain and the darkness and the way the weapons illuminated and the way the kaiju fought versus you know the Jaegers. All of that stuff was very meticulously put together in such a way. To like give gravity and gravitas and more gravity related things to the, <laughs> to as the many as many types of gravity as we can come up with. Yeah, um, wait. <laughs> that's what I was. Gonna, I was trying to find wait. Well, you know, to the scenes, and you yeah. felt that in the movie. But um, even from the trailer, when I was watching it, I'm like, this shit's taking place in like a bright sunny area. It seems like really <laughs> overblown in the color. And you've got all this like, I'm like, it's almost like it's like super happy for some reason. It kind of looked like the fight. Power Rangers to me. That's what some of the reviewers were saying. It yeah. Kind of Power Rangers, like more kid friendly vibe. And I was like sitting there and I'm like, like it looked good, but it felt off. And then I, when I, when I heard the Guillaume del Toro wasn't directing, I'm like, Oh, that's why. Yeah, it made sense. Yeah, I think I, I think that's probably where where all the problems that the movie has. It all so I went from like from a must see on opening night to like I'll probably go sometime in the next week. Yeah, like no rush on it type type yeah. deal. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't even plan on seeing it in theaters, even for the popcorn value. I'm I'm, I'm gonna see it just because I'm hoping the sound is as good as the first one. That would be about the only reason I'd go to see it. <laughs> but then my concern is, depending on who's operating the IMAX theater at the time, uh, you either get amazing sound or you go deaf. So uh, your two options. Uh, no, 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 no. I think the sound guys came back from that, but we'll see. Yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, that's unfortunate because, you know, obviously uh, Boyega is involved in this one, too. And it's a shame that that he gets attached they said to the, the script. They said the script failed him. Yeah, it's it's, it's unfortunate. The that, that, I feel like, OK, I feel like he just got nailed twice now. Like this movie's probably going to make a decent amount of money. But in Star Wars, the script shit all over Johnny Boyega's uh, character. And now he's got this this movie that shit all over. Johnny they, cut his scene. They, cut, uh, they cut a big portion of his scene out from Last Jedi. Really? Like apparently, apparently, like, because they said it slows down the pace too much. But apparently, him and Phasma were supposed to have a big back and forth on the ship. So instead of having the like really super rush fight, there was like him going back and forth. Like he actually, like in in one of the deleted scenes or so we couldn't stuff. have like cut down a little bit on the on the yeah. the SPCA, uh, you know, yeah, animal no. shelter bit and no. and had they apparently apparently it slowed down the ship fight scene too much because apparently him and Phasma went back and forth because like Phasma called him a traitor in Force Awakens. Yes, this is him coming around saying you're the you know, traitor. Why'd you? He's like, why'd you? Sh- Why'd you take the shields down on Starkiller Base? Yeah, type of thing. Like they're going, but they went at it. Maybe, <laughs> like, we, maybe like, we get yeah. a director's cut eventually when it gets released. Maybe we get a director's I, cut. I'd be surprised. It should be interesting. 
Um, but they they had some more on the Phasma scene um, in the cut that just recently came out. Okay, so. well there you go. Oh, Boyega getting getting shit on. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, at least he's not out there bitching about it like like uh, Jared Leto. He was like, oh my god, if we had all the stuff that we had recorded, this movie would have been so amazing. If I was on the screen for like 50 more minutes, it would have been incredible. So at least he hasn't, at least he hasn't gone the Jared Leto route. Uh, well, let's he do is some, a consummate professional. This is true. This is true. I think he just loves his job so much he doesn't fucking care. Yeah. He just he loves the fact that he's on the big screen. I don't think he's, he's really... like, can, I like this helmet. I'm going to buy it and put it in my house. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> he's on that face. So uh, let's do some tech support. Um, last week we didn't I get it to not have the questions up on 14. Uh, okay, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll pick some out here. So, uh, last week we didn't get to do it cause Jeff had to go and get ready to pack as he was heading out the next day and we had mm-hmm. run the podcast longer, uh, than like usual. Two and a half last week. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't get it. So I promised that we'd hold on to the questions to skim through them, uh, for this week and pick out a couple. Um, and so we didn't do, you guys didn't do any, I think the week before either. So we should have two weeks worth of questions, maybe. Did we not do one on the 50th? I thought we did, because this was the 50th episode. I thought we did. I don't remember. I don't think so. Or did I, I was forget? Watch- or, I was was that the week, a- or was that the week that I forgot? That was when I was watching Avengers. Uh, I can't remember. We might... Oh, I'll, I'll check and see if we have. <laughs> we if should I have posted one. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I have, I have, okay, so I've got some here. Hit us up with a riff for technical support, Adam. Uh, have you tried turning it off and on again? Bow. <laughs> uh, so we do have, uh, I, although, no, I thought we did these questions. Let me just take a look at some of these and it'll jog my memory. <laughs> Uh, yes, we did. We did do those questions. Okay. Yeah, we cool. did. Uh, I just saw the, the, the top one there and that totally reminded me. Uh, all right. So from last week though, we'll start with a, a couple of these. Uh, this, I guess might apply to you. I think you've been, you've been hitting up the gym a little bit more recently, right? You've been, you've been hitting the bit. iron. You've been hitting the iron. Bit. I need to get in shape for these things. You've been, you've been, yeah, you've been getting the, the thigh master going, uh, you know, just making it happen. Working, working on them uh, on the thickness. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll go with this one to start. This comes in from Brain Doc Dre, eighty dollars lifetime supporter, like the legend he is. Said, "What is your gym exercise slash day of choice?" Is Adam uh, all forearms all the time? You've obviously never seen my forearms. Uh, or Adam's can, like a stick. Can be now or back in your prime. Your pick. All right. So what is what is your? I guess he's asking is what is your favorite day at the gym? What what muscle group do you enjoy doing at the gym uh, the most? Um. Well, we're, we'll talk about two. Um. There was my prime, and then there's now. Okay. Um. I hate cardio, so cardio has always been a problem. But um, when I was in my prime, this was when I was in uh, college. Um. I used to do taekwondo. Um. For about, I'm going to say, 15 to 16 hours a week. Um, Four of those would happen on Thursdays, where it was, we'd do an hour of regular class, which Mm -hmm. was, you know, a combination of exercises and drills and some technique stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then 
we would have a break for maybe like 15 minutes and then we would do the advanced class, which if the teacher liked you, you'd be able to go to, or if you were at a higher belt rank, you can go and, you know, train along, which would be another hour of even harder exercise <laughs> drills and techniques. <laughs> and then since it was Thursday and we'd started earlier, you'd get about a 10 minute break and then you'd all put on your pads and then you'd have two hours of sparring. Damn. Like you'd, you'd get not all continuously. Like you'd have like, you'd have eight people get on the floor, you know, pairs of, you know, pairs of two and you'd fight for about five minutes and then you'd go off for a couple minutes and then you'd get well, back You'd, on you'd be you'd, dead you know, if you tried to spar for two straight hours. Yeah. Um, I've sparred for about an hour and a half straight and it went, um, I had, I, I, I had those during belt testing and I actually had to go off the floor because this was my first time during doing sparring that long and i didn't have the calluses on my feet so oh you're just bleeding were, profusely yeah and i was just like uh, and the instructor's like you know what you kept at it you can go off now because he realized he realized like oh yeah he's one of the new guys on the fight team so. yes because he kept the he kept the four people on the fight team on the floor for the testing and we were all padded up and then the other people we were fighting were not in pads so like th- they would come up and they would fight us. And then we think, oh, if we finally get to rotate off. And then he'd be like, okay, left side, stay on, which was us. <laughs> and then right side, switch out. So every five minutes is like another four people we're going up against. <laughs> and after like an hour, I found we realized he's not letting us off the floor. All right. So, so that was then. And what about yeah. now? Um, now is um, usually I'll go downstairs. I'll hop on. Uh, you know, I'll get like an audio book or my uh, tablet, I'll throw it up on the friggin' spin cycle bike and I'll mm-hmm. spin for like 30 minutes and then I'll get on the rowing machine for a good 30 to 40 minutes after that. Nice. And that's it. Nice. <laughs> I need to get more into it, but um, nice. and I'm getting back into it slowly. Beauty. Um, so for me, my favorite day when I was back in my prime was, uh, was chest and back day. We've seen those um, pictures, Adam. Yeah, that was my favorite. My favorite. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed doing arm day. Like every everybody loves doing arm day because it's your biggest show muscle. It's like the easiest thing in the world. And like even when you're struggling, it just yeah, it, it's everyone's favorite fucking day. Nine times out of ten, right? It's just. Uh, but I I had to be careful because. Uh, as long and lanky as I am, genetically speaking, my, my arms grow faster than, than most, a lot of the other areas of my body. So if I, if I did arm day, for example, even more than once a week, I'd be, I'd look, I'd look ridiculous. I'd like, my arms would be way out of whack with everything else in my body. So, Adam, your uh, entire body is just way out of whack with your body. This is true. So, uh, and people Adam's would like always... like 90% leg. People would always say, you know, you're skipping leg day. And be like, oh, I'm actually not. I spend a lot of time trying to build up bulk of my legs. But you see, they're like 40 feet long. And it's difficult to add mass to something that's 40 feet long. Uh, you, guys think, you guys think we're joking. No. When I saw Adam last, last time, he's... He's actually like 10% torso, <laughs> 80% leg, and then like another 10% foot or something. Yeah. It's, and then his head's somewhere on there. The head's somewhere in that, in that last Canadian hinge, 1%. Canadian hinge joint. <laughs> so it's, uh, but I, I also had to be careful because my knees are bad, so I couldn't go mm-hmm. like squat rack crazy or anything. But still, my favorite day was, was chest and, and back. And because it allowed me, excuse me. Um, to, to broaden this way, 
because I am very, I am very super lean and super tall. So if I'm not, if I'm not doing chest and back and, and, and shoulders too, I suppose to a degree, um, if I turn sideways, I, I, I straight up, I pull a paper Mario and I disappear. So I need to, I, I liked working on, on that, even though my chest genetics are terrible. Uh, but what it also allowed me to do is work on my triceps and my tricep genetics are fucking out of this world. I've got natural horseshoes. So when I, when I go to the gym and I do tricep exercises, it's like, it, that's, that's my show muscles, my tricep. <laughs> and it always looks like it's flexing. People always accuse me of flexing my triceps, but that's just genetics. For me, my genetics are in my calves. Like my thighs are thick, but my calves, um, I don't do running or anything, but I went to school, um, on a campus that was literally uphill both ways. We don't know how it just was. Um, it was literally built into the side of a mountain. Um, and 10 years later, despite not really exercising my legs, I still have my calves. Like I've gotten doughy and larger everywhere else, but my calves are still just as jacked as they were back then. And I don't know why. Yep. That's, uh, that's not me. Um, <laughs> even at my peak in basketball and going to the gym and building up cause I had to be able to jump building up my leg strength and my cat and my calves specifically, um, never really all that big ever. They're so long. It's like, it's like, I can't even fathom the amount of effort it would take to try to try and fucking blow my calves up. It would be, I'd be spending my entire <laughs> life scientifically trying to make it happen. So I just accept the fact that I'm just going to be, you know, long and lean and, and live with it. But now gotta uh, start doing squats. That's what I got to do. Yeah, I can't. I can't really, honest to God, do squats. My knees just won't let me do them. Uh, do them. I got the uh, wrist problem. I can't keep my right side. Yeah, down, so my right wrist is really weak. Um, so I I stick to lunges. So I front, back, and side lunges, uh, which build up your legs just as well. It's perfectly fine, and it takes a lot of the pressure off of your your knee joint. And when you're really tall, um, you have to be increasingly flexible to do squats uh, because when you go down you're going down so far you end up There's folding like a lawn a lot chair of weird lever yeah a lot of weird leverage on your legs yeah and it's similar with with deadlifts i could never really do a traditional deadlift because my legs were so long they'd get in the way my arms weren't long enough to make up for too. it yeah so i'd have to like resort to sumo deadlifts which don't really target the same muscles so i have to strengthen my back and and glutes and stuff differently than somebody who would be like six foot tall who's not wildly out of proportion so uh lots of challenges when you're taller uh unless you're a freak like lebron james so he's six foot eight but he's his body mechanically he's is in built, proportion is built six foot two which almost he, that's the lottery you don't yeah you don't get that ever he's he's a freak of nature so normally you go north of six foot three and you fall apart there's a reason why if you look at bodybuilders the, the like the the tallest they tend to get these days is six one. There's not very many people that go above six foot one. Even even Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day before the bloated you know terrible bodybuilders of of today when it was more about aesthetics, even Arnold was on the brink of being too tall uh for to be a bodybuilder and he was only like I think he's like six three. Uh, so mechanically speaking no matter what you read on the internet, when people are like, Oh, leg day for the tall guy over there. You're like, guys, <laughs> you, gotta, you know, or, Oh, you know, my five foot 10 friend just deadlifted 525 pounds. And this big, 
you know, mountain of a guy over here who's six foot seven can only deadlift 385. And you're like, well, you fucking try being that tall and picking that weight off the ground and see what happens. Your, your, your center of gravity and your gravity's a bitch. It is a son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, today, my favorite exercise is putting food to my mouth. Uh, cause I haven't have really, tried, have you tried the rowing machines? Uh, I've done rowing machines. I used a rowing machine. Well, I shouldn't say the rowing machine, but, uh, what does it even it being surprisingly good just for being able to pace yourself and just get a good, like full body on it. You can, you can, you, well, I mean, it is really great, uh, full body, especially if you, if you hold form and, and you pace yeah. yourself and you're not going too fast. Um, I didn't use, I, my dad had a rowing machine when I was growing up, like one of those classic, 1970s uh all brown and cards one brown and tan you know everything was just yeah it was beautiful old machine i used that when i was like a kid i thought it was the most fun machine in the fucking world but at the gym all the gyms i went to didn't have rowing machines they just had you know you could technically get a row on when you have like the uh pull down bar but they have like a a pulley a cable pull at the bottom and you can you can like you can still kind of get the same motion uh, similar idea. That's what I would use. I'd, I'd use. I'd use that. And I really liked that actually a lot. Again, back days I enjoyed. So I liked having the double handle on the on the on the pulley and getting an almost not lock knees, but a, a really long stretch. So I was bent over and really using as much starting uh, in the lower body. Over, eh? Yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. And then getting a lot of that because it allowed me to build up my lower back strength, starting the motion of sitting up and then finishing it, pulling it in towards the chest. Um, that was a, a favorite exercise of mine for sure because it increases your grip strength and it increases your low back strength. Uh, and if you do it properly, it it really does a good job of building up your your back. So yeah, my uh, my current exercise routine is nothing. Uh, I imagine when I get going again, my favorite day is going to be uh is going to be yoga day <laughs> because it's going to be the thing that it gives me my gives me my mobility back i'm actually going to go back go to a uh a uh physiotherapist after the move oh, is dude, over i've been getting uh, i've been getting pt on my wrist for the past couple of weeks yeah and like after they did all the stuff to it i'm just like it hasn't actually like i haven't had this level of mobility and not swelling and like actual normal feeling all the time so it's like great <laughs> yeah like, that's, I, I that's out. i'm like what what have i been doing for the past four years that's you know I, I plan on doing that because for my my knees and lower back i know i have muscular imbalance that i need you to like see a kinesthesiologist uh, or whatever they're called yeah well luckily my my cousin is 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 one the problem oh. is she lives across the country and and she's going to be here uh, visiting, but I don't want to inconvenience her. I don't want to be like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in like nine months. Do you want to give me a quick little uh, go over and tell me you know, what's wrong? You should be like, can you give me a quick go over? I'll buy you lunch. Yeah. So I, I you know, they're only here for, you know, she's only here for yeah. a couple of days. So I'll just, I'll let that go. But I did ask her if she has her friends that are some friends of hers that are in the business still here in the city. And she does. So I'll see them. Mm, that works. Uh, and uh, yeah. And, and sort it out because I know I have some, I know I have some imbalances in my hip flexors and in my, my, what is it called? The glute medius is the mid, the mid glute, uh, and the mid ass, the mid ass. Is that like, are we talking like, like, are we talking like 
horizontal mid or like vertical mid or depth no it's the band it's a band it's a band that that literally kind of separates i guess the area of your of of like the the bottom you know the the gluteus maximus type deal right and then you what would be the top band next to your your hip is the piriformis Mm. and there's a glute medius there that that um a, a lot of people it's weak because we sit so much but it's, uh, I think it's that in combination with a couple of other things for me, uh, muscle imbalances around my knees that are pulling my kneecaps off to the side. side. Yeah. And so my knees are, are not particularly happy, and I'd rather fix that now before I get knee replacements at 40. So I'll be doing, um, I'll be doing that. The thing for the knees that really helped for me um, was getting knee insoles and stuff. Um, I walked mm. with insoles for like uh, three or four months. Um, it fixed my plantar fasciitis because I tried, I started running and like my foot felt like it was just falling apart. I went to the doc. He's just like, oh yeah, your knee is like off to the side and your insole, like your alignment's off. Wear these insoles for six months and sleep with this boot at night for like six months. At the end of that, I'm (laughs) like, at the end of that, I was just like, I'm like, oh, this shit's not going to do anything. And then, you know, slowly but surely I started when I was running, I was just like, my feet don't hurt anymore and my knee feels great. Science. Apparently, like apparently just like the way my foot and like arch and everything was, it was just like out of alignment. <laughs> and it just like it wouldn't go back in unless I used an insole forever. Uh, isn't science great? Just, yeah, just it's amazing. It's, it's it's wonderful. So there you go. So there's there's our answers for that. But I imagine, you know, more recently or or more, you know, in the future it will be when I'm doing my DDP yoga again to get my, my mobility back. Uh, and then it's still, when I'm lifting weights, it's always going to be chest and back day. It's that's, that's all it's going to be. I just, I'm going to love doing that. I have, I have my genetics or my triceps and I have unfucking believable shoulder separation in my muscles. It's stupid. All right. We've all seen Ooh. the picture. That's, yep. that's why I love working. I love my, my, I love my, my fucking reverse flies and shit and just getting unbelievable separation in my shoulders it's great. All right, what's next? We've heard enough about your shoulder separation. Mm, right now, the only shoulder separation I'd have is if I reach for the alarm clock wrong and my shoulder comes out of place. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else we have here. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is a really... This is a out and left field, completely random, uh, deep question. But since it comes from Postal Panda, who, by the way, is his brace yourself for this. Brace yourself for this. All right. $2,050 lifetime supporter. Jesus Christ, man. Fucking brace yourself for that shit. All right. Says, is it possible to love someone without having sex with them, i.e. a platonic relationship? And for the sake of discussion, let's remove the obvious family member situation. Is it possible? Uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I have a couple of friends like that. 100%. I agree. I think, I think it's as simple as, uh, I think it's as simple as, you know, if, when you think about the long-term viability of, uh, of any relationship, It is almost never hinging on the quality of sex over the course of 60 years, right? <laughs> like it's like sex is a really sexual compatibility is absolutely like a must the vast majority of the time. Not all the time. You never want to say all the time, but the majority of the time. Um, 
and for and for you know good scientific reasons as well as you know just reasons that you don't want to have to think about all that frequently but in the long term the parts of the relationship that ultimately matter sex tends to drop off uh eventually and it becomes a perk more than it becomes like the reason the for you to be in this relationship yeah. like you if you're in a relationship with somebody just because the sex is good that's fine if that's all you're looking for, but for the majority of people, that means you've you've fucked up somewhere along the line. So it's absolutely possible. People do it all the time naturally throughout the course of relationships to begin with, but it's it's definitely still something that is important for the majority of relationships in the early onset, you know, especially if you're talking about younger relationships, of course. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. I think that's absolutely possible. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of relationship. Like, um, over the long term, I, I agree it's necessary, but like for, you can have close and deep and very, you know, in love type relationships just without the sexual component. It just depends on like the nature and the tenor of the, what the relationship is. It, and that's d- determined by the people in it. It can be very different from person A to person B to person C. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So as long as you have two people who are on the same page... You can pretty much do anything. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, mm, (laughs) Toad of Steel, who is also, brace yourself, $1,200 lifetime supporter, said, if you could immediately and permanently shut down one social media platform, and it can't just be immediately recreated under a new name, what would it be and why? You're going to have to repeat that one. If you could immediately and permanently shut down one social media platform, and the condition here is it can't be just immediately recreated under a new name. So when he says Tumblr. permanently... Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, I don't think Tumblr's relevant enough anymore for me to want to shut it down permanently. I just don't think it matters anymore. Uh, I'm going to go with Facebook. <laughs> uh, my brother works for them. I don't want them down. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother would obviously find perfectly fine work anywhere if Facebook existed or not. I, let's be honest Face, here. I, I, I would keep Facebook open for one reason and one reason only. It keeps all the parents occupied. <laughs> so they're not I, working well, on other social media platforms. Yeah, but that assumes that they would even move to another social media platform That's if true. you got rid of Facebook. I mean... The, I mean, coincidentally, old old Zuckerberg's in a bit of deep shit right now oh, with, yeah. Uh, yeah, with 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 uh, some of that. Um, Let's talk well, to my parents about that today. Yeah, um, he's probably going to lose a few dollars on that one. I would imagine <laughs> a few, just just a few. Um, MySpace is like sitting there like. It's our time. We're back, <laughs> our boys. Time. Our time Tom, is now. Tom is like sitting there like there's a disturbance in the social media force. <laughs> and he's like, boys, spin up the servers. People want automatically playing music on their pages again. <laughs> <laughs> People want Avril Lavigne songs whenever they enter their web pages. They want fully customized style sheets for their pages. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Our time is now. That's absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, Mark Zuckerberg is worth like what seventy-eight billion dollars or some shit. So if he loses a few billion, it doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, 
but yeah, I actually just flat out don't like the guy. I think he's a bit of a, a of an asshole. Um, and he, uh, he like many other people, it's not like he's the only guy, uh, a little bit too freely using of people's personal information for his own gain. Uh, you know... I know big data is is a thing that a lot of people don't understand is that the the buzzword of big data is probably the most profitable segment people in, are gonna people are gonna realize from this whole thing just how profitable it is yeah oh no not even that that you know it's gonna be probably like a bit of a wake-up call to all those you know millions of people out there being like you know what Facebook didn't create Facebook so that I can reconnect with my friends and family they created Facebook so they can get all of my information. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like, yeah. I mean, ads and stuff make them good money, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's selling your information. Yeah. And they're going to realize them... that because they're going to be like, how did all this information get out? And no one said anything. Oh, oh wait, yeah. maybe I did give them all of this. Mm-hmm. And it's worth so much, so much fucking money, mm-hmm. dude. Oh my God. Oh, just an unbelievable amount of money. The social graph stuff, being able to map people to other people. Yes. Interests and mappings and likes and everything. That is worth oh, a yeah. fortune for marketing people. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. And then <laughs> when you log in with Facebook to all these other pages and you get all that information, too, you're like, oh, yep. shit. Yep. I know where this guy lives. I know where he shops. I know what he's looking for. People, it was like that story. Somebody. I know uh, that Adam uh, is looking up 55-gallon drums of lube on Amazon. Who isn't, Maybe though? I should market that stuff to him. My, I got my a 56-gallon drum. Is Who isn't? Uh, it was like that story where, where Amazon knew that a girl was pregnant before she did. Like that shit. Did that really happen? That happened. Yes. How? They, it was suggesting nothing but baby related stuff out of the blue. And, uh, and then she found, and she found, well, again, all the stuff you just said. So it's the stuff she's engaging with. It's the, you know, like all these factors. I mean, think about, think about the variables that are I just want to know what she would be like looking the, and searching and like trying to figure out like was like oh, it was Target not Amazon sorry oh. but yeah the granul think about the granularity of information that we can we can extract from people's social media uh, pages yeah. and then what kind of prediction software can make based on that kind of granular it's just crazy you you could literally predict shit with great accuracy and people just don't and that's worth so much money which is why. Yeah, fuck, fuck Mark Zuckerberg, but he's already made his money. He's got his, he's got his little Asian Dude, wife that he par- friggin', parades around. Even the friggin' WhatsApp guy came out and said, "Time to delete Facebook." Yeah, <laughs> CEO WhatsApp or whatever. He's not say he's at Signal now, but he's like, "Oh man, the shit I saw. It's about time." Time to delete it. I mean, I I I, I only have it now because I use it for when I'm going live in a hand mm. like like my my small little reach for that. My personal mm. Facebook. I use it like almost never. I, I, I never. Like somebody's birthday pops up, I'm like, "Hey, happy birthday!" Done. And we walk away. And that's my entire. I stopped Facebook. even doing that. Like I don't really even use Facebook. I'm getting all that closer much and closer to just saying like "fuck it" because uh, you know, even though I can get, for example, so I posted um, the highlight that Naley took of me playing PUBG last night. Um, where I, I got like, it was, a, it was a, a crazy Winchester headshot. <laughs> I posted that on, um, on Twitter and I posted it on Facebook. And despite the fact that my Twitter reach is technically bigger than my Facebook reach, the Facebook reach had more engagement than Twitter did. And so 
like I still like it's still and if I look at my Twitch analytics for where people filter in from Facebook is still one of the prime movers for bringing people to the stream when I announce that I'm live. So Twitter, uh, Twitter actually is partially because of volume. There's just a lot more stuff on Twitter. So things just time to fly by. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, I, I just, I, I, every now and then I think about deleting it. I just get so close, but then I'm like, look, you, you have a, f- a handful of things on there and you haven't, and you don't really use it that frequently anymore. It's probably not going to hurt anyone at this point. You, the damage you've done is already there. So as long as you don't make the damage worse, you know, why not? Why not? Um, uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, what else we got here? Hmm. Uh, we kind of talked about that coincidentally already. Um, uh, what? <laughs> okay, this is just a this is just a fun a fun question, and then we'll move on to some of the questions. We only had a handful so uh, this week, so. Uh, we'll move on after this one to the this week's questions. This comes in from Neil, 110 lifetime. Let's go. Said, if you could transform into one normally inanimate object for a day, but have as much movement as would magically make sense for that object, what would you pick? And he said, as an example, he would choose the Statue of Liberty because there is no way it would be taken down during my joyride. <laughs> He's clearly seen Ghostbusters. Yes, exactly. Mr. It was a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Good, I, I, before we even before we even delve into this question, okay, I need to ask another more meta question. Okay, why? <laughs> like, what is my goal to accomplish? I guess that's up to you. Into this, I know, that's what I want to know. Like, what is my goal to accomplish? With this object, like being this object, is it to like go somewhere specific? Is it to cover some ridiculous distance that this thing would not be expected to cover? Like, I don't know what that means. Like, what is, why? <laughs> Give me some context here, Adam. I'm going to go with mannequin in a retail store so that Ooh, I can occasionally just scare the shit out of people when they're walking by That'd or looking really at the clothes. Fun. Yeah. That'd be really fun. I think that's what I'm going to go with. All I remember, though, is that movie Mannequin, where at the end, the guy turns into the mannequin and falls into the, like a wood chipper or whatever. <laughs> That's a shit way to go. I'll, yeah, I will make is. an effort to stay away from all wood chippers in the vicinity. <sighs> Inanimate object in the normal thing. You wanted, I want to see some weird shit. We're going to go with I would become a New York subway car. Oh, wow. Okay, well, yeah. Not, not one of the old ones, because okay. you get pissed in on those, but, like, oh, okay. the new ones. There's a lot you, of places you, you, would, can you go. Would see You would see some weird shit. You would see some weird shit. You would see some funny shit. You would see some scary shit. You'd get a little bit of everything. you get a, a, f- you get a, a cornucopia of Cornucopia. Of shit. It would be unexpected. I'd see something new. I think that's, fresh. I think that's good. I don't know about fresh, but uh, you'd see something. There'd always be a plane. Sunder? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Elon Musk's Tesla. That would be pretty freaking cool. As long as, you're, as long as you're as long as you're the one that actually makes it back to the platform and not the one that crashes into the ocean. 
No, no, no. Like if you're only that for the day and you go into space and then you, you revert back to your body somewhere and you're back on earth, that would be cool. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, yeah. Oh, there you go. You could be the dude, uh, you could be the, the dude man. that's the that, yeah, spaceman in the Tesla being shot off into space. Yeah. Then you could just yeah. hang out there for, for a while day, and chill out and then come back to normal. Exactly. No, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good choice. I like that. I didn't, I didn't think even remotely yeah. close to that. That's a good one. I yeah. like that one. Um, Ooh, someone from chat said a good one. The Hubble Space Telescope. Ooh, that would be good. You see some shit that, there. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So what would you turn into? A mannequin at just some oh, random right, right, retail right, right, store. Right, right. Why did I forget to that? Scare the hell out of people randomly. I blocked out the whole wood chipper scene. That's why. Yes, yes, that's fair. Um... <laughs> No. Oh, it's great. All right. This is good. This is, we're going to end on this one. Cause really, I don't know. I don't know how it gets better <laughs> than this. I've got a meeting to hit up soon. Yeah, no, I, and it doesn't Let's get any better up. than this. All right. Ooh. This comes from Chico, Chico. who was one of our current $250 pledges for a lifetime nice. total of $750. Cause he's God. Nice job, Chico. This is a game of Mary fuck kill. Ooh. Are you ready for this? Nicholas Cage, Tom Cruise, Shia LaBeouf. Who are the three? Nicholas Cage, Tom Cruise, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um That's hard. All right, I'll, I'll, I got, I got yeah. you. I got you. My no, answer. I, all right. I, I don't have that much malice towards any of them. This is this is literally the or it's in the order in which I would I would I would pick <laughs> this. I'm marrying Nicolas Cage, which Gabs is now vomiting like projectile right now for me saying that. I'm marrying Nicolas Cage. I'm fucking Tom Cruise, and I'm killing Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Just because he was part of the Transformers movies, and I just can't, I just can't let that go. I, I, I'm not going to be able to forgive him for that. Uh, and I don't want any shy, and I don't want to marry him because he's just going to. You know, I don't want any shy of surprises. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like Nicolas Cage is too much of a wild card for me. So I, I feel like Tom Cruise to. is way more of a wild card than Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but I feel like <laughs> I'd be able to. I feel like I'd be able to survive Tom to divorce him and get a chunk of that Mission Impossible money. I don't know Scientology is pretty crazy, bro. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird. They kind of uh, stalk you for life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I. I would probably marry Shia LaBeouf just, you know, because he's been coming around more normal recently. Until, you know, he decided uh, that he's doing that movie uh, yeah. about himself where he's going to play his father and then some yeah. other, yeah. Um, Why not? Cruise, you know, if it's like a one night stand, get out of there type situation. Yeah, I can go with that. Okay. Um, but I, I don't want to kill Nicolas Cage though either because he's <laughs> such a wild card. I don't know what he's going to do, but I kind of have to in this case. I feel like out of, of all the three, if it came down to it, if you were actually trying to kill Nicolas Cage, he is the highest probability of killing you first. I think I think Tom Cruise would have the higher probability of killing me back. <laughs> have you seen the shit Tom Cruise does? Yeah, but he's like four foot five. Like I, I like if I feel like if that I just means had, he's got a lower center of gravity, man. 
but I just need like any kind of object to like keep his distance, right? Like any. I feel like I just have to keep some bees around and Nicolas Cage is under control. Uh, you know, that's, f- that's fair. Or a good movie script. That too. Yo, man, I got Schindler's List right here, Nicolas Cage. No, <gasps> keep it away! Ah-ha-ha! Let me get back on that, that, that fucking. <laughs> That revenge flick thing that I've been on for like the last 15 years. Um, <laughs> there, you go, there you go. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that's... What you, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one little, one little flick to that one. Okay. What's, what's that going to be? What do you think Jeff's response to that would be? Uh, oh. I think Jeff marries Tom Cruise. I think really? Mary, I think yeah. he marries Tom Cruise. Yeah. I think uh I think he fucks Shia LaBeouf and kills Nicolas Cage. I feel like we should have any viewers who want to uh give us what they think Jeff's list is and we can ask Jeff next week. Yes. And give us your list as well. Yes. Let's Let see us what know happens. what is your, your fuck Mary kill for Nicolas Cage, Tom Cruise, and Shia LaBeouf, because it's very vital information. Yes. That uh that Google need that will, viewer engagement. When Google when you post that, you know, on YouTube or whatever, Google will take that information and feed it into uh that you know, those variables so that when you're shopping, yeah, you know, it's gonna come up with Look, a bunch of, of movies appropriate. You'll for get your, a lot you'll get a lot fewer Shia surprises when you're shopping if you give true. that information to Google. Nothing worse than a shy of surprise when you're on your Amazon tip just trying to make some shit happen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to thank our Patreon producers. Jetrix, Postal Panda, Chico, Fry C, Derek P, Naley, Adam B, Jamaican J, Jorbach, Steel, Matthew, and I'm going to make sure I'm not missing somebody that was new that might have been on that list. I don't think so. I don't think so. So there you go. We didn't miss anyone. Magic. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, if you're watching uh, live here on Twitch or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can uh, go to technicalalpha.audio for all of your RSS feed needs, uh, whether that's you know a link through to uh, iTunes or you can Google Play or uh, just the raw RSS feed if you're using something like Podcast Addict or, or any of those programs as well. Uh, eventually in the coming months, my plan is to weasel, uh, our way onto Spotify since they've opened that up a lot more to, uh, more podcasts. So you'll be, uh, uh eventually able to, to catch us there. And thank you as always to all of our Patreon supporters, big and small, uh, cause you guys have been absolutely fantastic for a really long time. And, uh, we're coming up on our, our first full year and, uh, we're still here for better or worse. Shit. <laughs> So thank you again for watching and listening, guys. We'll see you guys next week. And until we do see you, peace. Bye.